Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, Gypsy Gang? We're back for an episode of... Back for an episode? We're back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. Been a long day. Uh, my guest today is none other than Geordie Sullivan, aka the Fight Dietitian. Uh, I've known Geordie for a few years now, actually, and we've had this scheduled in pretty much since we met. Um, but his career has really taken off um, in the right direction. Uh, he now is working with guys like Israel Adesanya, uh, UFC world champ, Alexander Volkanovsky, UFC world champ. Uh, as their dietitian and in particular the weight cutting expert um we talk about that a little bit but we really just go into uh i guess just some general nutrition stuff uh it's probably an area in my life that i'm lacking um not in a big way, but I guess as Geordie describes, like if you want to eat for performance, which is probably the level of uh, diet that I want to kind of get into these days. Um, we talk, so we talk a lot about uh, diet in general. We talk a lot about supplements and the type of supplements that you should be taking, um, how they could affect sports like jujitsu and motocross. Um, and we also, uh, what else do we get into that's worth mentioning in the intro? So you actually want to listen. Um, yeah, oh, and how that stuff would affect motocross. In particular, there's some supplements that people talk about arm pump uh, from like things like creatine, whereas Geordie is saying that like creatine is absolutely something um, that you should be adding into your system. So anyway, really, really informative episode. Um, if you've enjoyed any of the Rob Beams episodes, you'll absolutely enjoy this one. I absolutely loved this episode of the podcast. Um, and it's really nice having some experts on. All right, before we get into this a banger of an episode, just got to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. We're brought to you by the guys at Boost Mobile. Head to boost.com.au and right now, if you go to their Instagram at BoostOz and hit the link in the bio, fill out the form, you go in the draw to win a refurbished iPhone 11 and a Boost $300 SIM with 240 gig of data and a 12-month expire this is open to aussie residents only and entries close on the 5th of october uh, and the winner will be announced on instagram shortly so give those guys a follow uh, and jump in to win yourself that epic boost pack we are also brought to you by the guys at fist handwear you can head to fisthandwear.com check out chapter 16 that has just dropped and they've just got in all the new apparel so once again fisthandwear.com uh, is going to get you there uh epic riding socks too if you haven't checked those out use the code gypsy gang to get you 15 percent off that code is also going to work at dixonquality.com.au uh, and we're also brought to you by the guys at cricks tweed if you want to drive mitsubishi triton like me or anyone of their new or used cars all you got to do is head to crickstweed.com.au ask for kyle he is the man there and that's it for the ads uh appreciate y'all 
thanks for listening this is a great episode you might have to listen to it twice um or grab a notebook uh because there's a lot going on peace Geordie Sullivan, the fight dietitian, the great man himself. How are you, mate? Man, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Excited to do this. Yeah, we've been talking about it for uh, for a while. Bring us a little bit closer if you want. Yeah, um, Yeah, we've been talking about this for a while, but uh, you're a very busy man, and uh, I'm stoked we finally made it happen. Yeah, I think busy is subjective, hey? It's like, I think you've put out the illusion that you're busy. I spend most of my day, like, sitting in my chair, just twirling around, thinking, <laughs> but I don't know, it's all right, though. Uh, that The busy thing is funny though right like because it is so relative like i look at so for example my best mate sam i don't know if you know you've seen sam like in the podcast where he's he's my best mate and he runs his own fucking gnarly business and he's always busy and then i'm always busy like i feel like everyone is always busy in their own little in their own little microcosm you know yeah and it changes bro because i always think what was busy for me two years ago and then you Mm. think like busy now is just so different maybe you just get more efficient at it hey and you just like i find that's like the 80 20 rule you just figure out what's going to get you the best return for your investment of time and you just focus on that and then you focus on this and then all of a sudden you're just like super efficient at all these things and you get people around you get good at delegating but yeah being busy is a good problem to have yeah and it's uh i feel like busy is just a process oh yeah for sure you know like you're not uh, yeah because i I just take on so much more shit, you know, like, so you, you get like better at doing things. You get like more efficient at doing one thing. And then all that does is just like, it feels like free me up to just take on more shit. And I end up being as busy as I was when I was less efficient, but just with more things. Yeah. I remember one of my um, business mentors said that to me. He's like, the best thing you can do at this stage is get good at saying no and i remember like years ago i sent like this email it was actually for a podcast i wanted to on my podcast i wanted to get a guest and it was just so cold and blunt his response was like hi sorry i don't have time thank you and then like and i was like so cut up about i was like man did i like offend this guy or something it's just like no you just learn to do that hey if it's not like a top priority hey sorry bang push it aside see you later you know the one place where that has become and probably to a fault like i've probably taken it too far is just responding to messages. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just don't respond to many people now, like across the board, because I've just learned that that phone can fucking suck you in. And like, I spend so, like, I spend so much time on my phone every day, but I don't scroll Instagram. Mm. Like, I don't look at Instagram, I don't watch, but just messages, like replying to messages organizing podcasts like you know people that I, I i really try to respond to the people that take the time to message about the show but like then that sort of leaves me no like it's just there's no chit chat that's going on in like my personal life with text messages and stuff like that because fuck it is full on like overwhelming the amount that people want to like reach out or call or te- and it's like i'll kind of prioritize like the people reaching out about the podcast and then it's like everything else is just fucking noise now yeah it's hard bro because you get the backlog eh? i always you feel bad because it's like i always think if people are taking time out of their day to like reach out yeah. or like and, and most of the time it's really positive hey like i get heaps of messages they're like oh, hey i love that post or i love that work that you've done or you've helped me do this and you're like oh that's like so cool but then you're like you're like oh i'm gonna respond to that in like 20 minutes or 30 minutes and then it's like two three days later and you're like clearing everything out and you're like oh 
fuck, I look like an idiot. Like, I look like a dickhead now, but... Like I, think, I, said, I think people get it, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope so. Like, if anyone's listening, I've done that to you. Just um, apologize. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it is hard. So, uh, Geordie is a... What's it? I wrote down your thing. Masters of Dietics. Dietetics. Yeah, that's, that's a mouthful, hey. That's yeah, a, no, so, no one knows what it is, but... Like, I don't know what it is, yeah. but I'm sure that you, you could explain. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Geordie uh, is... We met at Combat a couple of years ago, mm. trained some jiu-jitsu together. I think it was just an open mat. Mm. Um, since then, since we met to now, huge change in the trajectory of your career. Like you were doing the same thing, but it's like, I guess your philosophy and your strategies have really been accepted by like world-class guys. Mm. Um, and you've essentially blown up in your in your lane uh which is more the fight world and, and weight cutting but I, i'm interested to dive into that um as well as just some like general nutrition stuff um because if i had to pinpoint a hole in my program um it's funny so one of my best friends shane young i don't know if you know shane he's the guy that runs the galeb brothers helensvale uh, I think I, I think I might. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's one of my best mates and he's full vegan. Like oh, yeah. he is so good with his diet and his food prep and he's like a guy that's kind of inspired me in that way yeah. a little bit. Uh, and we were speaking the other day because I'm really good with my sleep. I work hard i train hard like so there's um meditation I'm pretty on point my reading like I I've got these verticals in my life that I try and have pretty dialed and he said to me he's like what are the thing?" he said if the- is there one thing where you would look back in a few years and go that was pretty out of control like i did <laughs> not have that part of my life dialed and i said straight up nutrition and probably like i train really hard jujitsu wise but i don't think that that's good for my body mm-hmm. you, know, yeah. you know what i mean so like i even though i'm training very hard i actually think my body's going backwards so I am in a position now, and maybe this podcast is the thing that just kicks off my <laughs> nutritional uh, renaissance. But yeah, I would say that that's like one part that's lacking. Um, and I try and take some supplements and I do certain things. And then you get guys be like, oh, you shouldn't do that for this. You shouldn't. So to speak to an expert, it'd be cool to get a, a little bit of insight around that. Yeah. Lots of guys are like that though, hey, because like nutrition's a funny thing because everyone has like that really um personal relationship with it like Mm. i I don't know what it feels like for you when you eat that food or this food or that food so it's like who am i subjective yeah who am i to come and say to you and be like jace you can't eat that you're like man i feel great when i eat this bowl of cereal before i go to jujitsu and i'm like no you got to eat like all this fruit so it's an interesting thing i think nutrition that's what makes nutrition cool and makes my job cool because Mm. you've got all the theory you've got all the science theoretically it should work but then you've got the individual sitting in front of you. And then when you start diving into physiology and metabolism and yeah. what makes a person a person, and then you add on top of that performance and all of those things that you spoke about, sleep, recovery, overtraining, undertraining, what type of training you're doing, it just becomes this really cool performance puzzle. And I think nutrition, I always say this to people, nutrition's not going to make you an elite level athlete. It's not going to make you a better athlete but it will assist every little thing that will get you there. Mm. So your sleep, your training, your recovery, it'll play huge roles in all of those areas and all of those things will make you a better athlete. So it's a really, really fun field to work in. Like I really, really enjoy it. Yeah, that that's one of the things that I kind of would always think about when people would talk about like, oh, you should do keto, you should do this, you should be vegan. And it's like, I feel like 
and, and I mean, this is kind of just across the board. This is the way I think about everything is that we don't actually know anything. Like in terms of, you know, we're not even really in contact with the physical world as such in the way that we think we are. Like when we think about these problems of like nutrition, right? And we'll just use that as, as an example. It's like we fit, we're looking at it from this such a limited perspective. Like we've got this first person perspective of uh, nutrition. And when we're looking at like gut biome or, you know, like whatever the metrics are, it's like, we're actually really not as close to those things as we think we are. Like we're just kind of making uh, guesses essentially based on like experiments that you can replicate. And there's just like an infinite amount of variables and this like infinite distance essentially from like what's really going on. So I always think I'm like, fuck, you to know anything about anything, you've just got to be so deep in it. And for the average person, it's just there's so much Dunning-Kruger that goes on when it comes to, um, you know, like, that. Let's again, nutrition or whatever. And it's just like, fuck, it's like barely an educated guess for most people as to what is actually going on, you know? Oh, man. And, like, even when we met a couple of years ago, I would say I was way more confident in my practice back yeah. then than what I am now because that's, that's science. That's the nature of science, especially when you talk about nutrition science, is it's always changing the deeper you get, it's a deep, dark rabbit hole and there's so many different ways to go. And even, it's funny within science, if you talk to a, a neurosurgeon about or a neuroscientist about something, they'll give their perspective from neuroscience. If you talk to a circadian biologist, they'll give you their, you know, their perspective. And you could be talking about the same topic, what's the best time to eat, but everyone will give their own different perspective. No one's wrong, yeah. but like there's so many different ways yeah. and angles you can take. And like I think now like, in the world of weight cutting like I, i'm so fortunate I've, I've got mentors that are probably the best in the world at what they do i'm connected to probably most of the people in the field access to all this information and i still sit there and go fuck like yeah is this right and yeah. i think and that's that's what the cool thing is and i think a lot of people have that misconception when it comes to especially like what not just what i do but what we all do as scientists when you're working with individuals you like you said you're doing very calculated guesses yeah and the difference is say between someone who's just jumped on dr google and done whatever my calculated guess probably has thousands and thousands of thousands of athlete experiences that yeah. i'm like drawing upon to try and make this conclusion whereas like yours is just like not yours but whoever's on yeah. dr google yeah. is on is on you know like two articles or whatever so that's like the difference and that Dunning Kruger that you mentioned, that's massive in, in nutrition. I experienced it when I first started. Like when we met, yeah. I thought I was king dingling with it. And then you and then you get into it and you're like, man, like you get like the concepts down pat and then you start doing them and like you're like, oh man, this does work. Like I know how to cut this much weight off these guys. Yeah. And then you get like one step deeper and you're like, oh wait, do I put in this type of carbohydrate after weigh-ins or like is it being absorbed as efficiently? Or oh, wait, I didn't do this. Oh wait, and then you get like in your head and you're like going down all these rabbit holes and you're like, oh no, I just need to go back to the basics and fix this up. So the deeper you get, the further you get down that rabbit hole and that rabbit hole does not finish. Yeah, well, it's like the more you know, the less you know Yeah, in, in everything. like the de And I feel like jiu-jitsu is probably the thing that taught me that the most. Yeah. Because, I, yeah, it's the same thing. Like I remember five months into jiu-jitsu, I was like, fuck, this isn't that hard. <laughs> like I feel like I could figure this out in the next few years. And then it's like a few years later, I'm really like in the same fucking place. The only difference is I know that I don't know anything about jiu-jitsu and I've been doing it four years. It's like there's probably a few thousand hours in this 
thing down and I've just fucking every day I leave training like yeah fuck I still don't really know anything yeah that's the best thing about I yeah I always parallel like my career with like how you go through with jujitsu because you know how you go through those phases and you're like on the up and you're like man this this is good this is my thing like I get and like you can just flow through it and you can hit these subs and you've got like chains of submissions and passes in it and you go through your like lulls on the low and you're like fuck i suck at this and yeah. he's like i'm not getting any better i'm going backwards this sucks it's the same with like it's the same with everything though right but it's like it's just it's all never ending it's never ending there's like knowledge is always evolving and so there's mm. always more for you to learn i think that's like especially in the world of science that's how you stay on top of your game like you yeah need they're to, the people i want to listen to yeah you've got to always have that mindset and i say this to my team and i always say is like you've got to have that mindset that you don't know everything yeah. if the, the day that you sit down and think i know everything that's the day the person who's coming second behind you gets ahead of you because you sit down and you go, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. And you're never done. You're never done in this type of stuff. Yeah. And like I said, they're the people I want to listen to because that is reality. Like we just don't know. It's just these constant guesses. And that's what, what makes science so great is that you go like, okay, we're making a guess. So let's create a hypothesis and then let's test it. And then we'll test it again and again and again and again. And to the point where you're like, okay, we could presumably test this to infinity and it's going to work so let's let's say this is now a semi-accurate model of reality from our perspective and i think like if someone's giving me like that type of rationale i'm like i'm down to listen to you bro like because you you fucking get what this whole thing is actually like yeah yeah and i think it's funny when you talk about like nutrition as well like you mentioned like oh keto or do vegan or do all this it's funny and i always say to people like we have such like a privileged first world view of like nutrition that we're so privileged mm. that we get to have we like even pick. yeah that we get to pick if we get keto or like i don't know do carnival yet in like the other side of the world there's billions of people who like have no food and they're struggling and like they need to like drink out of a dirty well to survive and it's like it's such a privileged problem to be able to like talk about all of those things yeah that is so true so my first my first question you know jacko Jacko, Jacko. Jackson, shot by Jackson. Chains of combat. He's my housemate. Well, he's moving out today. Shout out, Jacko. Farewell, brother. Celery I'll juice. I'll say yes to, so we can just roll this. <laughs> celery juice. Oh. Daily celery juice. Yuck. Is he cooking it? He swears by it. Like, I don't know, man. Like I said, if it's working for him, it's probably working for him. Like, at the end of the day, like, celery juice is just mashed up <laughs> celeries, isn't it? Like, it's not going... <laughs> like, is it making him a better athlete? Is it, is it I don't know, kick kickstarting his metabolism or whatever i don't i don't necessarily think he would be experiencing those things but if he's experiencing some euphoric thing where he makes up that celery juice he has it and it like kicks these like endorphins in and he gets a dopamine rush and that then he, it's working in it's, some way it's yeah. working for is him, there yeah? science behind no, celery juice no bro it's like it's it's celery there's nothing in there <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean like okay. that's the thing with um nutrition i think people try to narrow in on things when nutrition like we're saying is this big yeah. global thing like you might be doing celery juice every day but like you might be whacking maccas back every afternoon yeah or well, like- he is pretty good with his diet like so he it he has like an overall like he tries pretty hard to keep his diet like super clean like he'll do every morning it'll be celery juice he makes a smoothie with like essential greens and like the smoothies looks pretty solid he runs like sea moss in it so he's like doing a lot of stuff to try and be there's two things i always say like when people ask me this is like one the best diet in the world is a diet that works for you and that you can stick with so like if if you want celery juice sea moss slushies and go nuts by all means but the second thing i always say is like 
I think we build up this illusion of what we need to do. do. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, and, like, what this healthy, yeah. like, what do I have to put in my body to, like, explode all my cells to put them on steroids and get this, like, kick-started metabolism and get this ultimate performance. And I'm, like, very, very fortunate in my position to work with some very, very, very top-level athletes, which I feel like a lot of guys like you and me when we're just, you know, training and rolling around being bozos, like, aspire to in a way. Yeah. And I'll tell everyone who's listening, they aren't doing all that stuff. They aren't doing like the weird celery juices. They're not mixing up weird smoothies. They're not doing like two, three day fasts. They're not doing like weird curcumin's like energy ginger shots or whatever. What they're doing is that they figured out what works for their body. They figured out how to fuel it adequately and then fuel their recovery. They've yeah. nailed all those other things that you're talking about, sleep, recovery, getting their training schedule right. And then they found foods that fit in there and they can do that day in, day out yeah. for 10, 15 years. Yeah. And that's been their secret source of how they've been able to elevate to this level. And I think with nutrition, we just, I think it's a human nature where we are looking, for, find a, you're looking for a shortcut yeah. almost. Yeah. You, you want that advantage, but you want it now. You don't want to wait for it. It's like, is celery juice going to make me better at whatever your perform like performance is in that day if you're a desk jockey or you like do what we do and roll around the mats is celery juice going to get me a better performance Mm. if it is i'm going to take it every single day because i want a better performance every single day and it's like maybe but from what i understand it doesn't work like that it's like the accumulative advantage Mm. like every single day like adding those little one percent is boom 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 that's what adds up over time it's not necessarily like I'm just going to take this ginger shot and then all of a sudden, boom. Yeah, the woes are, yeah. are gone, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like, um, and it's probably one of the reasons why I haven't gone like crazy hard with nutrition is that to me it feels pretty, like for my body, it feels pretty simple. Like I don't like training on an empty stomach. I always eat breakfast. Like I'm not, a, I, I don't think I could do the fasting thing. Cause like I wake up literally starving. Like I ha- I have to eat the first thing in the morning is I'll make a coffee and then I'll read for a bit. Cause the, the coffee sort of suppresses that feeling, but yeah, give me another 15 minutes after my coffee and like my stomach is back to wanting food. Um, and then like, yeah, so training on an empty stomach is a no go for me. Uh, and I eat three meals a day. So like aside from that, like that's my only things that i would say like i've really noticed in myself it's like i have to eat in the morning and i don't like training on an empty stomach like other than that i haven't really thought too much more about nutrition you know yeah but even the fact that you've been introspective enough to kind of sit down slow down and recognize that is huge because a lot of people can't because they're very like they have these misconstrued opinions on what they should be doing like a lot of people probably don't like fasting they're probably in that same boat where they wake up and they've got the gurgle which is completely natural you just did an overnight fast you probably just yeah. ate it i don't know 7 or 8 p.m and then you're waking up 12 hours later or whatever yeah it's pretty normal to be hungry at that stage but they'll resist that because they want to fit say like i don't know like a, what is it like 18 and 6 or whatever the, yeah, the protocol yeah. is and then it's just not working with them but they'll be like no no i got to do it i got to do it but the fact that you can be intrinsic enough and go okay like this isn't working or this is what my body wants and i feel great on it a lot of people don't don't have that they can't do Mm. that and that's like a really good skill to have and that's something like you almost counsel people not so much with our top level athletes but when we just take on like gen pop like you and me that's something we counsel them through and be like you need to learn how to listen to your body like you need to learn how to listen to hunger cues 
when are you actually hungry? When's, when are you actually thirsty or when are you hungry? And yeah. okay, do you, how did you feel when you went for that run or when you went from that session? Were your legs like really dying? Like, was that because of your nutrition or was that because you yeah. went really hard because you just went up and down the stairs 20 times? And being in touch with your body and understanding that is a skill that I don't think we put enough praise mm. into, you know what I mean? But like you said, like by combining all of these things, doing the meditation, the reading, it's really important because really nutrition, health, everything, it's just a combined thing, right? Like we like to yeah. segregate everything, but really human performance and human health is this big conglomerate of all these different factors. Yeah, that have to come together. Um, the other thing that I can notice myself, and this is because I do it really poorly, is hydration. Mm. So like if I train dehydrated, like man, I can feel it in my muscles. Like I literally feel like I have dry and fucking gross muscles that mm. just don't want to work properly. I get crampy. I just feel like absolute shit. And the other thing as well is like saunas. I like doing saunas, but I literally know, I'm like, I'm not hydrated enough to do this. I'll fucking die if I go in this sauna. Because yeah, I'm, I'm just not very good at staying hydrated. Yeah, again, and that's why it's important, like being introspective and knowing your body because like the thing is you can break that down. And like, I would look at that and go, right, Jace, you're probably you're probably a person that when it comes to that sweat process your body when you start heating up or your core body temperature gets up there you probably kick in that sweat process where your body goes hey sweat glands start working we got to get rid of this heat kicks in really early really fast really hard and so you probably start sweating which is a good thing like it's getting rid of the heat in your body but if you don't have water but if you don't have water to put back in and then keep that hydration level it can be detrimental but we all know that guy in the gym right that's like the walks around and puddle i'm that guy you're probably similar like we just roll around you're rolling in puddles you're always sweaty but then you also know the guy that can sit in a sauna for 30 minutes and won't sweat yeah so like being aware of that and knowing okay this is how my body works okay well jace if you're a real heavy sweater then you probably need to make sure that hydration is a top so, priority because I, I i don't sweat too much like rolling and stuff like it, it's actually probably random but i'd say like I, I don't it's generally speaking i'm not a person that sweats a lot um but i will sweat when i get in a sauna and stuff but i wouldn't say it's like excessive because i do know other people where you'll roll with them and no matter what like they're just drenched in in sweat but i, I often wonder if that's because i'm just not hydrated enough to sweat yeah, I was going to say, it's probably your overheating mechanism then. Like, your body probably responds differently. And that's why, like, I don't know if you've seen on, like, our Instagram, we get our guys to heat acclimate where they'll get in a bathtub and they'll get their body used to being in that heat because your body has responses. Like, when your core body temperature mm. starts coming up, starts recruiting sweat glands, the rate and how much you sweat can change. And, like, that's why you see people who live in, you know, like, near the equator. They're just so efficient at sweating and getting that well, heat out of their body. that's probably why, because I grew up in Cairns. Yeah. So, so that's probably why like we don't sweat yeah. that much like I feel like my brother's probably the same because yeah, yeah. like we just grew up hot as fuck all the time like I remember the first time I ever come to Brisbane I was like what the fuck is going on dude because it was like actually cold yeah I remember I did a student placement up in Cairns and I remember walking off the plane and it was like no shit I felt like someone just got like this big wet pillow yeah. and just started slugging me with it I was like what is this I used to walk to like from my, my student accommodation there was like here and then this clinic i was working at was here and then this gym was here and i used to go bang bang and i'd take two shirts i had to swap into like go work out change and then two work shirts because i'd sweat that much walking over there it's wild yeah it was a fuck it's a pretty hot old place to grow up eh? yeah yeah i couldn't imagine like 
train actually i was looking at um i've been doing like a lot of like endurance training and there's a there's like a hundred kilometer that they're doing up in cairns and that's the first thing i thought of. i was like man that's like a whole nother level if you're gonna do it in that heat yeah. for that long up there you know well we used to ride motocross up there because obviously <laughs> that's the background and you'd have to take a new set of goggles for every time you hit the track because you just get sweat would just fill up your fucking goggles like remember times i literally as a kid riding and it was like i've been snorkeling where you just have sweat that come up to you like up in your goggles it's fucking pretty pretty insane up there but i feel like yeah maybe that's why i'm don't sweat that much you know yeah it could definitely play a role but it's like again it's just like being aware of your body because i know lots of like fighters because when we cut weight you know, a lot of the time it's, it's either in a, in a sauna yeah, yeah. or it's in a bath and a lot of guys who say i'm in this like i could cut it in the sauna if you want me to but i just feel trash like it just wears Drains out my body yeah. and, and like there is science behind that like it's more of a global heating than say when you're in the bath and you can have your limbs and head out and you can control the ambient temperature and whatnot so it's like it's probably an overheating thing but all those issues are made 10 times worse when you're dehydrated and your yeah. fluid volume depleted because your blood's like going around that's what's giving oxygen and nutrients to your body and what's essentially coordinating this cooling response yeah and if you deplete that then you're going to have a depleted cooling response yeah yeah that makes sense so if we speak generally um before we get to into like the fight stuff and whatever so if we just speak generally about diet as a uh person that nutrition is your full-time obsession uh what would you say are just like all right here's the building blocks like let's say for me i'll just i'll scrap the current diet that i'm on and just go to like this new system to try and have a as uh, healthy a general diet as possible and then maybe zone in on a few things as we go like what would be like your roadmap for somebody yeah we have these um we call them performance pillars this is, this is a pretty good question to answer. <laughs> we have this um, performance field. We use it with everyone, whether it's a guy just coming in off the street or whether it's like a world champion. It's like we have these six things and we say, you've got to nail these. And the first one is like your carbs, protein, and fat. And then we break it down and say, if you're doing any type of training, you need to be eating carbohydrates, especially like doing jujitsu and things like that. It's a what we call a glycolytic sport, which means you're just essentially burning mostly carbohydrates. And most people do sport that isn't, just like walking or a light jog yeah so they're going to be burning a lot of carbohydrates yet everyone's like no nah, i don't want to eat them and it's like you don't yeah maybe you don't have to but your sport's going to suffer and if you want to do good at your sport yeah have them in and then pace them throughout the day and have a you know good complex whole grain carbohydrates whether you know whatever source you want to get so that what's from. some example good examples so like, like grains like quinoa brown rice uh sourdough bread things like that sweet potato things like that yeah all those starchy carbohydrates are great space them out throughout your day around your training get some more of those like simple carbohydrates get like the fruits get like pikelets get rice cakes things like that honey syrups like things like that because they're going to be like faster and they're going to be an immediate energy source so put that in place the next thing we say to everyone is pace your protein throughout the day really really important because again most of the guys even if you're an everyday person maintaining your muscle mass you don't have to be like a bodybuilder but mm. losing muscle mass is a really bad thing and has a lot of consequences in many many health areas you want to maintain your muscle mass what we know is the most effective way to do that is pace your protein throughout the day so if anyone's at home and they've got a calculator the amount of protein you want to basically be getting like every three hours of your day is 0.4 times your body weight in kilograms yeah okay and that's basically the amount of protein you want to be putting in every three hours whether that's plant protein, whether that's animal protein, whatever floats your boat, 
it doesn't all, matter. It'll, yeah. it'll all work. It'll all work out. There's a few little considerations if you're choosing one over the other, but every three hours, do that. The other thing is fats, and we always say get them from get your fats mostly from like marine and tree sources or plant sources. So like that looks like nuts. healthy, yeah, healthy nuts, oils like salmon, fish, bassa, things like that. Get your fats from there because fats are really important as well because they're really they're the backbone of our hormones. So all of our hormones are fats. And I think um, we probably grew up in the same area, Jace, era, Jace, where it's like no fat era. Yeah, low where, fat. Yeah, yeah like yeah, you have yeah. all the yogurts and like no fat and like for years they were demonized. And so like I feel like a lot of people at, around our age are still like, oh, I, yeah. I got to have like low. It's like, no, get the fats in, they're fine. And then you've got like the other extreme, right? Like the keto guys, but nice little healthy amount of fats, they're fine. And then the next thing we say, three things you've got to nail if you want your nutrition to work is your sleep, stress and water intake. Yeah. So you've got to be getting, you know, seven to nine hours sleep, depending on what works for you. Your stress management, whether that's meditation, reading, going for a walk, whatever that is, like cortisol is good for getting you out of bed in the morning or if like a bear's chasing you. But you don't want that flood Outs- in your system. Yeah, outside of that, get that stuff away. So, and then it's, um, yeah, sleep, so, stress um, and water. Is there, like, is there a lot of science around like cortisol being produced in just like the regular stress of life and like how negative that is? Because... Like I, I know when I'm stressed, like I feel fucked. Like my neck gets super tight. Like I feel drained. I feel like I don't feel good when I'm stressed. And I think that's why, again, this is probably that training thing where like I'll train to a detriment physically just for the feeling of being able to do jujitsu. And it's the same with motocross. Like I'll, I'll prioritize riding motocross almost to like a detriment to the rest of my schedule because i'm like i fucking need this like if i don't have this it's this isn't a well working thing that i'm involved in yeah well you think about why do we release cortisol it's part of our autonomic nervous system in a response to when our sympathetic nervous system goes off which is our when we think of our fight or fight like flight or fight response it's part of the fight response so it's getting cortisol is getting released with norepinephrine and noradrenaline which is preparing your body to fight yeah. essentially there's i don't know if there's a big saber-toothed tiger that just came in our cave we got to get ready cortisol's getting and you quick. ready for that yeah and it's like blunting all these other hormones getting your body prepared flooding like you know breaking down glycogen so you've got energy to like fight or run away or do whatever you've got to do and all of the responses is go 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 mm. and so there's an increase in blood pressure increase in heart rate like your eyes like constrict down your muscles tighten up which is fine if you've got to run from a saber-toothed tiger. Not fine if you're like sitting at work for eight hours a day and I don't know, Jane from accounting just busting your balls on something <laughs> because you haven't got these, this work done and that response is always going. So regulating that stress response is massive because it is, it's detrimental. I, I have athletes that, you know, I work with like a lot of corporate guys nowadays, like top CEOs and tech guys and it's a huge thing for them. They just go and they go, hey, my doctor said I had high blood pressure, but I'm working out a lot. Like mm. I'm eating well, I'm doing all this. It's like, man, yeah, but you're not managing that stress. And like stress is like the silent killer because you you know that feeling when it's like there, yeah. but then it's also there where you could just be doing your everyday thing, but then you like, you feel it. And everyone's familiar with that one. Like a big thing that I get a lot of our clients nowadays, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later is like breath work. Mm. and like accessing your breath to kind of regulate your autonomic nervous system okay like you're feeling stress like again being intrinsic recognize that feeling and then okay let's have some tactics let's have some breath work tactics that you can kick up that parasympathetic system and bring that down it's huge because like stress it's 
I think in today's world, everyone's stressed. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, what would you have to do to not be stressed? Like, well, I feel, even knowing about the Melbourne riots has made me stressed. Yeah. I'm not even there. Yeah. But, like, I, I feel it. You know what I mean? I feel the stress and I feel the tension with other people around me as a result of it. Yeah. I, I just don't know what you would do to not be stressed. Maybe if you were, like, living out on, like, a fully sustainable farm or something and you, like, were, f- like, far removed from capitalism and didn't have to worry about any of that. But I feel like everyone has a degree of it and it's just it's so brutal on your system right and like i said it's part of that fight response yeah and so if you're constantly in that sympathetic response as such like a cascade of issues like you think okay well what's going to happen to your sleep if you're always jacked up and in the fight you're probably mm-hmm. going to have shit sleep what's going to happen to your digestion if we need to be in this flight like flight response this rest and digest mm. if you're always jacked up in that sympathetic tone well yeah so rest and digest is like a good way to think about the opposite to the complete opposite yeah, yeah. okay because i mean i've noticed in my schedule um sorry to keep self-referencing but it just feel like it leads to different topics but i feel like in, in my schedule recently so like what's kind of start really started to work for me and and i think this has come from the whole covid thing because not really going a lot of places not really traveling like I have been able to get into a pretty detailed schedule and it's like wake up in the morning, make my coffee, do my reading, um, have a shower, make some breakfast, do my meditation before I leave um, and then I'm out the door. I'm kind of working by like 10 and then I'll stay in here till 5, go to training, go home, make food. If I try and make food, um, the Uber Eats gets fucking pretty pumped at times. Um, But then from then on, like from fucking 8 o'clock, dude, I'm useless. Like, I'm, I'm a fucking dud, whereas I used to be able to just, like, power through at night, but I honestly feel like there's a point in every day where it's just like, okay, I'm going to smoke weed and relax, and I'm done, and I'll wake up again at 5 a.m. tomorrow, and I'll fucking have another crack, but, like, I just can't keep pushing this this pace you know and like you just look in the weeks so that that block between like when i wake up and like 8 30 at night is like there's no rest at all and there's i literally go weeks where i don't even sit on my couch at my house Mm -hmm. so that's how busy that time is but then yeah once i hit that like post dinner it's just full the system's in shutdown you know like i'm watching youtube i'm fucking laying down stretching i'm just as brain dead as as possible so yeah that sort of makes sense that that is kind of like a your body craving that because i actually feel guilty about that time like i i I feel guilty that i'm shutting up shop that early uh because it feels early um and then you know in bed by like 9 30 10 so i get my eight hours for the for the next day yeah it's relevant for everyone like i can talk about it both ways like firstly our elite level athletes it's a huge focus point for us is because like you think about what they're doing training four or five hours a day they're always in that sympathetic state so we need to have strategies for them to kick in that rest and digest otherwise yeah. all those other aspects go to shit like they literally have a specific breathwork coach like dave wood who's probably i would say in new zealand right now one of the most important figures in performance in new zealand because really? he works with he work, and, yeah, and, yeah, works with not just combat athletes, but surf yeah, New Zealand. Right. He works with like motocross, works with all these guys. Pretty much every elite level athlete in New Zealand right now works with him because of his system, which is essentially an integrated training system, uh, training system to help them manage stress. Yeah, to get that mental edge, and a lot of it, and he says it's just learning how to balance this because 
I think in our today's world, outside of athletics and like even what we do running businesses or people working nine to five jobs, everyone's always on you. Do more, do more, do more, yeah. do more. And it's like, you feel almost feel guilty. Like I used to feel guilty taking time off. Yeah. And then like even Woody, like Dave Wood has like taught a lot of us be like, no man, like that's the most powerful time. And it, it, when you think about sport, you can only train as hard as you recover. Yeah. Like that recovery is massive. And I think that, even within city kickboxing, like the guys I work with, that was a monumental shift that I saw with those guys in what their performance was like. And even their numbers that I tracked, that's how I got onto him. I saw these numbers from one of my athletes and I was like, how are you doing this day in, day out? He's like, oh man, I've like figured out the breathing gears and I'm doing it. And I was like, fuck off. That's hoodoo guru shit. Like, yeah. like I was like, can you just stick to the plan? Like we've got to fight. And he's like, no bro, like I'm serious. Like this, this stuff. And I was like, it took me a while to come around to it. And yeah, it's powerful stuff, man. It's like, you, you'll see it like in the next two years, breath work and not just breath work. I think that breath work, mental performance area will just take over all sport, yeah, all sport. And then it will cascade into the corporate world because stress is just such a huge part yeah. of everyone's life in all aspects because we have this such an imbalance between this sympathetic tone and parasympathetic tone. Everyone's in that jacked up fight stage all the time like like what you're saying you get to 8 p.m and you're like fuck 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 and then when you finally do try to rest you can't because yeah. you're so jacked up so i think it's just going to explode everywhere and he's just kind of at least in our part of the world introduced it to everyone and so what does the that kind of breath work look like because you do quite a bit of it yourself right yeah 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 pretty much just basically off the back of him so i started it probably last year probably about a year ago is when i started getting into it so fuck i'm gonna butcher this he's gonna listen to it and be like man that's so wrong Essentially, what you're trying to do is build up your, your body's tolerance to CO2. And this is the first thing that Dave said to me is that everyone, what's the first thing like a coach says to you when you're like younger and running around? They're like, take big, deep breaths yeah, and get more oxygen. Nose, and, yeah, yeah, get get more oxygen. He's like, no, like that's not what you want. You want to be able to handle the oxygen that you have better. Like you want better carbon dioxide tolerance because your desire to breathe and the way you release red blood cells is all dependent on the amount of carbon dioxide in your system so he's like by breathing less you actually breathe more he's like what's the first thing that happens say when like if you're rolling and you're in a shitty spot first thing you do is start like <laughs> yeah short shallow breaths short shallow breaths and you almost like over oxygenate your body you go hypoxic well like yeah. you drop the oxygen off really fast and so what he says is like you need to be able to relax there you need to be able to breathe and you need to control that breath but you need to that oxygen you need to get in needs to be like a deep nasal breath learn how to do the breathing mechanics which is a big one which yeah, is so like feeling it it's yeah. almost like the the way that i heard it described that worked for me when i would try and do it is start breathe and start trying to fill up from like the back of your spine forwards like don't just go out like this like try and fill the cavity in the back first. yeah yeah he, here's a big thing with the mechanics is like remember donkey kong where you got those like barrels that you would like smash when you like roll them and smash I don't know, he said like imagine that you had that barrel around you and you have to expand yeah, out yeah, yeah. and and you and you see it bro like because a lot of people are just chest shallow breathe. chest breathers yeah. and they're mouth breathers like they're chronic mouth breathers where they just look around the gym and everyone will just be like mm. and it's super inefficient right and he always says like nose was made for breathing mouth was made for eating and all of your all of your system is made to take in through your nose and then what Dave like teaches everyone is like, okay, there is a place to breathe out your mouth, but you need to know how to regulate it. Like most of the time you should be doing nasal breathing. Mm. You should be controlling that breath. And then when the intensity gets there, you can swap between nose mouth breathing. 
okay, okay, the intensity goes up higher, and then go, okay, maybe mouth, mouth, and then you need to regulate. And he even said it, we were watching a, um, he called me after he watched a, um, a UFC fight, and he's like, did you see that guy just breathing? And he's like, I guarantee he's going to go the next round. I was like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> you can see it in fighters. Like yeah. even the Jake Paul fight. Yeah, like yeah. His mouth opened up after a few rounds, you know? Like he had that, that I think it was like the fourth round where Woodley hit him. And uh, and yeah, he's just like mouth open the, the, pretty much like the whole rest yeah. of the fight. And like I I know, um yeah, Brad Riddell, who uh, he got me into. Brad originally is the guy that got me into it. And he he's was saying... kickboxing. Yeah, too, yeah, yeah. And his last fight with Drew Dober is like an absolute barn burner. But he said in the third round, I saw him drop his jaw. And he's like, as soon as that, I saw that, I created a bit of distance, got back into my nasal breathing, and I knew I had him. I knew I'd outgas him. And he did. And it was just, it was, it's crazy, man. Like, the performance benefits of being able to do that. And again, like, I don't, I don't like being too anecdotal, but like, I've really gotten like into endurance sports lately, and I hated running. I hated running. And then I got into this breathing and this breath work. And Dave even said to me, man, it's not your mechanics. It's not that, all this other stuff. It's your breath. You don't know how to breathe within your body properly. And I went from like not being able to run like a five kilometer to getting on top of this nasal breathing and busting out a half marathon in pretty good time. And more importantly, keeping my heart rate pretty low, which is a big thing. Like if you want to go and do way longer events, you've got to keep that heart rate low. Like anyone can kind of bust out and just get their heart rate 185 plus. Mm, but can you control tick, your yeah, breath and your heart rate to keep it down? And I was like, holy shit, like there's something in this and then i kind of got into it a lot more started doing it like daily took it to jujitsu took it to like conditioning sessions and then yeah it's, it's crazy man it's crazy the response your body will have when you learn to breathe properly and the most craziest thing about it is that it's always accessible to you mm. no matter where you are what you're doing it's always there it's not like you have to go out and to the gym to get on like a airdyne bike or whatever like you've always got your breath there so it's it's wild stuff right i honestly think it's going to be the future of performance and you're kind of seeing little pockets of it getting on top of it now but on top of that for everyday people corporate people like like i said everyone's stressed so just being able to like tap into these different types of like pranahana whatever they call it breathing or it's huge because like you can do it like you can do it right now and just do like a four second inhale hold for four breathe out for six seconds you do four rounds of that like i guarantee your heart rate's going to drop down and you'll feel way more relaxed and yeah. you always do it with people and they're always like fuck i feel really good and you're yeah. like yeah I'm like imagine if you trained your body to do this and you got the mechanics right and you kind of understood the theory and then like a lot of the stuff we do is like breath hold training during like during training to like expand your lung capacity and it's wild stuff bro it's like really really crazy stuff but like i said i think it's the future of performance in not just sport but corporate and everyday life yeah yeah and, and i mean if you look at um if you look at like the top down effect that sport has so if you look at formula one cars so formula one cars were the first cars to have like this hybrid technology where you've got an electric motor that gets charged by like the brakes and shit like that eventually that ends up in a prius mm. you know <laughs> and i think that sport is the same for humans whatever the top level athletes are eating if they're meditating if they're doing breath work like that there is like this top down trickle down effect that happens i mean there's be, would be so many instances where you know we've kind of taken from sport and it becomes like more of a everyday kind of life type deal oh yeah absolutely bro like like we're probably talking about jujitsu way too much but like think about like if there's like an adc and someone hits yeah. a move 
like what's everyone doing that Monday at the gym? Everyone's trying to hit that move or like remember when leg locks were like coming yep. up and everyone yep. was it and then all of a sudden you're like, Oh shit, I better learn leg locks. Like it's exactly the same as that. Yeah. No, it's so true. I, and I've noticed like I talk about meditation a lot here, obviously. Like that's been something that's had like a profound effect on on my life. But there's been times like I spoke to Brenton Mumford actually on the podcast about one day it went back four minutes. I was like anxious, feeling like shit. And before, like, I wouldn't have even said I was anxious, right? I just, like, didn't feel good. I I didn't even have the presence in the moment to, like, look at my body to know that I was anxious. It wasn't Mm. until I sat down and then started my timer, put on my music, and then I was like, oh, fully anxious. Like, you have all the symptoms of being, uh, of anxiety right now. And then it took four minutes for those things to go away. And a lot of that does, I mean, you know, the starting point for a lot of meditation is just like focus on the breath, like pick a point for whatever reason, the point I think of is like the inside of my nostrils. Like Mm -hmm. that's where I feel the breath the most, you know, and then there's times where I'll try and feel the expansion of my stomach or like my torso kind of thing. But yeah, it's like that, that breath sort of does seem to be a, a bit of a gateway to, you know, like, I guess, taking control of the system in a way. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of it too, and I say this a lot lately, a few people have commented on it in that, like, don't get me wrong, I love science, I love what I do. I I think that nutrition plays a huge role in performance in many, many aspects. Same with strength conditioning, same with training. What I've found over the last three years really working with high, high elite level guys is that 95% of everything is mental. Yeah. It's the mental game, right? And you would probably see it in motocross so much. It's like, yes, you can train skills and yes, there's a genetic factor and yes, hard work and discipline. But the guys that I've seen that really, really excel are not necessarily the most talented guys. They're not the guys that are the genetic freaks. They've just got this mental fortitude and tenacity that just allowed them to show up every yeah. day for years and years and years on end. And there's guys like I work with at the very top level. If you looked at what they did diet, strength conditioning wise, what they did training, you'd be like, what? how did you get it? Yeah, you'd be like, yeah. what the heck? And then when you hang around them and you see what they're like, it's all of those things. They're super introspective. They're so in time and in touch with their body. They can train, but they know the moment they've overtrained. Okay, I've yeah. got to take a rest day. I've got to go back here. And that seems to be the trend with all these elite level people <laughs> that yeah. I've worked with over these years. And it's like, I'm not saying like nutrition is not important and it, it, like, it absolutely is. But getting that mental aspect really firm and having that huge foundation there, I think is what everyone should be doing almost first before you like, like as soon as you get like your first gi or your boxing gloves or whatever, it's like you should work on that because that's going to play such a huge role on how far you'll be able to go with whatever you're doing. Yeah, I I could not agree more. And Volko is the epitome of that Mm. like dude that guy man being in the gym i got fucking goosebumps now thinking about the it's only been a short time that i've spent in the gym watching him train but you could see oh he's a world champion that's why there's a bunch of fucking killers in that room and he his motto is hardest worker in the room and he is Mm. every time every time i've watched him train hardest worker in the room by a fucking long shot too it's not even like a close second he is the dude that is in that gym working the hardest and you can see that in every room 
in every room that you're ever in, like in this room right now, there would be somebody in the room, like if we we're all sitting here doing our thing. Objectively, there has to be one person that's working harder than everybody else, right? Where does that come from? That's like a mentality, a commitment that you've made. Like that is an internal thing. And, you know, in our gym, like we got this dude, Felipe, and he's a judo black belt, jiu-jitsu brown belt, fucking savage bro like he is as fucking savage as it gets right and every day dude like you see him posting he's posting his video of him doing deadlifts and then it's like i'll I'll watch his story all day like training and then i get to train at night and he's there and then when when we're there he's the fucking hardest worker in the room and it's like oh so he's the best guy in the gym makes sense right like there's there isn't a fucking secret to his success like there's no there's no like question in my mind why he's better than me at jiu-jitsu like he is a fucking savage like he takes it to a place i don't take it and he gets results i don't get yeah and that's something that i've learned working around with these guys is that yeah maybe a part of that is genetic and a lot of it may be circumstance but if you really wanted to do it, you probably could. Every elite level person I work with, whether it's Israel or Volk or whoever, they've all said if anyone wants to do this, they can do it. They've just got to get that mm. fixated on that goal. But Volko's is an interesting one because when we take on new clients and we talk about this in our team meetings all the time is like the sense that you get from that person, especially like when in our questionnaire, it's like, where do you want to take this? Because it's good for us to get a gauge. Like if you want yeah. to be a world champion, it's like shit, like... We'll, we'll, give you we'll, that. we'll, we'll, we can yeah. do that and we'll commit to next two years with you, but we need to know what that is, like what that, or do you just want to diet and you just want to look good and that's fine. Like you do you, but if that's your goal, like we need to get a sense of how serious you are and how much time we want to invest in you. And I remember back in March when, um, Volk's last fight got caught, like called off cause we all got COVID and whatnot. But like we were sitting in a room and I, I wish someone was just recording and he was talking about when he was uh, working as like a bricklayer or whatever he was, he dropped out of school and then he started playing footy and everything that kind of happened, the way that he articulated it and the way that he spoke about how he got into martial arts and then when he teaches martial arts and like the techniques and you've got to just do these little things right and you've got to do these little things right every single day. And from listening to him talk, that's when I went, you're going to be world champion for a pretty long time. Yeah. You're that caliber of person Yeah, where you have something going on up there that 99.9% of us do not have. Yeah. And whatever that is, it, it's a mental thing because just listening to him talk about it, I was like kind of looking at the other people in the room being like, this is insane. Like, yeah. like just the sheer level of D and he wouldn't have noticed he was doing it. Yeah. He was just freestyling. He was just going with the vibe talking. I don't even know what he was talking about. Some type of wall wrestling or something and yeah. flicking like your foot this way and why that works. And I was like, Holy fuck. Like, this is insane like this and it's not not even for the technique he was showing, but like but just, just the, the level the of pure level. Yeah. And like, you could just tell like this guy has something that we just don't have yeah. and we, we could not ever compete with it. And you see it like when he goes in the room, he just, those guys that they're training with down at freestyle they're superstars they've literally got the best people all over the country yeah and then volk just comes in ragdolls them. yeah blows it out of the water yeah no it, it's super impressive and izzy's a dude i'd love to meet just for that as well because like he's got he's got some like next level like he has superhuman levels of self-belief and self-confidence and a willingness to write his own narrative 
about his life that not many people have the willingness to do. Like, the level at which he puts himself out there, and it's it's like he projects this future version of himself, right? That is just so fucking gnarly and would be so hard to achieve, right? It's almost like this ghost that he's creating in like a video game. And then you're trying to like catch up to that ghost. And it's like, I just don't know many people other than maybe Connor that are like willing to throw the ball that far down the court and then like run and fucking try and be there and catch it before the ball drops. And dude, he is just on a fucking level with that. Like... The time that that was really, really apparent to me was... Fuck, was it the Whitaker fight? What fight was it where he full came out and did the dance crew thing? Whitaker, Melbourne. Was it yeah. Whitaker? Yeah, yeah. I was just like, drop... Fuck, he doesn't even need to fight. I'm like, this dude, that's out of control. Like, for you to go again, like, that is such a reach, man. Like, can you imagine if he did that and lost? Yeah, no You're way. a fucking meme, bro. <laughs> yeah. You're a meme for a really long time. And you're not letting you're not living that meme down and he just doesn't give a fuck and then he just goes and does it and does it and does it's just like that that dude to me is on some other shit because that's it's almost like you've got the training side of him and like the actual doing the fighting and then as hard as he's going in which is like that's volko is going super fucking hard in that as well right but then it's like then he's doing that in this whole other lane of just like himself as a person as a personality as a as a guy that's like in culture you know huge risks that dude takes and just fucking the balls to do it yeah that's super interesting because i think obviously i've got a bit of a different opinion because i know israel and the one thing i respect most about israel is what you see is what you get Mm. Like when he's out in front of the camera in the press conferences he's exactly the same behind closed doors like i think you'd have to be to be that guy Israel is who he is and that's why I respect him so much because a lot of people aren't like when they get up and you'd know guys that they get up there and then they just change but Israel it's funny that whole persona and um, I'll give credit where credit is due there's a very very intelligent guy in New Zealand called Dave Neath and he's a mental coach and he's actually the guy that works with all those top level fighters and he worked with Israel and um, Dave and me sat down one time and he was telling me about his big thing is when you go in there, you're going into war. And to do that, you need to go to a different level. Yeah. But you shouldn't take like this person we are now there. It's like you should take this superstar alter ego that's so above who you are and so grandiose in every aspect. You got to take that person. And Dave explains it is that his job, he works at heaps and heaps of athletes. His job is creating that alter ego. Hmm. And so he was explaining like throughout the years with Israel they sat down and it was they started working together remember that clip always goes viral when um israel got planned it's his only ever knockout when he got knocked out by Pereira. And yeah, yeah, yeah 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 so he came to him afterwards and he's like oh, that was know. in kickboxing yeah kick in yeah. glory he lost yeah. i think he lost two in a row in glory and was a bit like oh is this like for me and dave was like you you have something that you could be the ali of the next generation but we need to and you've got that there we just need to tap into it and construct it yeah and so what they spent to like their time together they spent their time creating this alter ego which wow. they which they called style bender yeah which right. is this alter ego where he goes out and he is the hero that he loves in, in all of those story. books so yeah. he is that hero of naruto of you know dragon ball z or whatever other like comics that he's into 
So when he goes out there, he fully believes it. Yeah. He fully believes that character. And Dave does that with a lot of the guys. And it's these little things. And I, I know from the outset, it's like, oh, like how did he get there? He must always say, no, that's like a very purposeful, trained thing. And it just allowed him to ascend to that. And you see lots of guys, they have like little cues. He does this thing with some guys on the back of their phone. Like whatever their like alter ego is, they have that. Yeah. And like before training, they have the like, some guys have this like process and like, I don't know whether it's like a Hulk or whatever. Yeah. They'll look at it and you see them change like and they go into that place yeah and it's wild bro like when i when he first started telling me about it i was like holy shit but then you know what i kind of sat back and i was like thinking of all the times like i've been at the gym watching the guys train and before the fights and the lockers before and i was like fuck this makes sense this makes sense like i thought it was just this thing that they'd like come up with and like yeah they're just these grandiose personalities but no this is like a purposeful planned constructed thing yeah that like them and dave have worked out and like he was telling me he's like man i do it with golfers race car drivers all this and i was like holy fuck like it's just it's a whole nother level like then that mental game and i think like israel is the greatest example of it like don't get me wrong israel is insanely talented i've never never seen a human like israel in the gym but like he when he goes in there he is style bender yeah like he firmly believes like you know when he's like writing on that death book it's like he like even said he's like i'm ready to die well dude that that was another thing i was going to point out too like that gastelum fight like he literally just says to himself i'm ready to die mm. and it was dead fucking serious. like that wasn't a fake moment you know what i mean like that wasn't for the cameras there was like desperation in his own eyes that was like the gnarliest fight that he's ever been into the well in the ufc and uh he literally just says like i'm ready to die like fuck you're a savage bro i love that yeah and that's just something i've noticed like like i'm going back to this point like nutrition is important strength all that thing all of those things are super super important but it, it, i think it's that it's that mental thing like one you have to have the mental capacity to take it on and then you have to like nurture it and grow it and really embrace it and just like like you said like israel fully jumps into it yeah 100 he believes that character that he is and it's like I see that. Like, I see that with guys that I have, like, business mentors of mine that are just savages in the business world. But then yeah. you go to dinner with them and they're just, like, normal, nice people. And it's like, they've obviously got this thing yeah. that they develop. So when they sit in a meeting, like, it's like, you can't fuck me. Like, I'm not getting fucked in this meeting. Yeah. And, but it's just, it's this wild thing. And it's, that's something I've just noticed, man. Like, working with these elite and elite level athletes and then elite level, like, business people, tech CEOs and whatever, they all have this. I don't want. I don't want to say it's normal. Like it, it's they've just constructed this crazy mental game. Yeah. And it's almost like that character is pushing them to these extreme limits that then pushes them to more extreme limits. Which then like us normal people look at it and we're like, what the fuck? Yeah, How are they doing? Like, on, what yeah. work have they done? Is it they're, they're drinking celery juice every day and doing yeah, all yeah. this weird shit? And you're like, no, nah, it's just like this guy's on another level in his brain yeah oh man i'd completely agree have you have you ever been like backstage with josh coon when he's do you do josh's yeah, yeah look, i haven't been backstage with him though fuck so i like jacko would come like he was doing like the filming and stuff and like i've gone to a bunch of josh's fights and um like he's a fucking animal like every sense of the word like that dude's a legitimate monster he's scary and right? yeah and then like jacko come out i remember him coming out one fight and he's like bro i'm fucking scared to film this come back there because he's like him and white they're like fucking go like losing it you know what I mean? like he's backstage ready to like rip the joint apart to get into that cage to fuck the dude up and then leave 
outside world, that guy's maybe one of the nicest oh. people I've ever met in my entire fucking life. Like, I actually love that dude. But, like, the, the zone that he steps in, like, the character that he plays when he gets in and does what he does, like, it's fucking savage, bro. And you can't fake that shit. Like, there's not a... That, I mean, and I, you know, I've been around guys like even in a, just a, as a competitive jujitsu, like that we do on like a local or state or national level or whatever. And it's like, you'll see some dudes with their head and I'm, I'm just like, I can see through like what yeah. you're doing. Like, that's not real. You look at someone like Josh, it's like, whoa, yeah. where is he right now? Like, cause he's really there. Right. Josh, that's the thing. It's so funny. Hey, it's like with all these guys, like Josh, when you chat to him, nicest human you'd ever meet and he's super creative like he does all the tattoo in it so he has that super creative side of him but yeah man like the thing with josh and he's soft like in terms of like he he's a guy that you know like tells people that he loves them and he's like super open about like how much he loves his wife and his kid he's like a very soft and loving guy in so many senses yeah josh will go to the ufc i'm completely convinced he'll go to the ufc and he'll go on like a firefight win streak of like complete knockouts because he'll get the guys that are probably very very good athletes they've got their nutrition they've got their strength conditioning but they don't have that thing that josh obviously has and has cultivated for years like he's a super successful businessman as well like yeah he's an elite human yeah like that doesn't happen just oh because you're drinking celery shakes every day like he's done some serious shit and some work on his mind to become that human and now he's just transferring that into the cage and that's like terrifying like that is terrifying. I am very convinced that Kuhn will just get in the UFC and those first five guys that throw in front of him, he'll demolish them just yeah. purely because they won't be on that level. And they'll all look at him and be like, oh, he's got no fight, blah, blah. No, like he will destroy him because he's so far ahead in that aspect. Yeah, and there was one fight, the the time that he fought the dude that missed weight by like fucking 20 kilos. Yeah. Uh, needed to call you. Um <laughs> I heard him throw a punch that missed, and I was like, nah, <laughs> like, nah, nah, I don't want it, I don't want it. Like, you could literally hear the fuck, hear a hand travel through the air, and I was like, nah, dude, I'm fucking, I want nothing to do with that. And then there's like, uh, there's athletes, so like in motocross, right? Eli Tomac. You can feel the ground moving when he hits the brakes. Jesus. Like, that's how fast he's going. And now, like, th- you got these big bumps and there's just, like, all in a row. And he's just coming down a hill on this 100-kilo bike, just like... And the fucking ground, you can feel it standing 10 meters away from him. That's not normal. You know, like, when I ride a bike like that, you don't feel that and then you know you get a, a guy like a like a footy player that can put like a big hit on somebody and just like fucking bang drop a dude there's like a timing and a stretch there's like a coordination of physics that are coming together that he has access to that other people don't have access to and it's like when josh coon throws a fucking right hand at somebody there's like an access to physics that he's got that like it would take me my whole life to never get there yeah i actually it's funny i remember when that guy missed weight with josh and we were there and like he missed like seven kilos i'm pretty sure he weighed in at the weight class above and i remember saying to cam i was like cam like you can't do that that's why we have weight classes and then like cam has obviously been very professional like cam who runs eternal but then like and you can kind of go back and forth but like we all knew it's like man it doesn't matter if this guy's one weight class above him two weight class three like anyone that stands across from this animal that doesn't matter like he's going to put him into put him to pluto 
Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. It's exciting to see the kind of career that that he's got ahead of him, eh? Like he's just a fuck, and to be the nicest guy and like crazy level of support. Like I was thinking about the other day, because um, the Eternal card was on, and I and I it was like pay per view, and I just wasn't that keen to watch it, and I felt bad, and I was like. <laughs> Dude, Josh is like the only dude. Like he's like probably and and actually Colby too. Um, mm. Thickness. Like he, that's one dude that I would definitely turn on to watch. But there's there's a couple guys. Like that's me not paying all the you know attention all the way to the scene. But it's like he's just a clear cut example of like a dude that is actually bringing people to the Australian uh, like MMA scene. I think. Yeah, I think Josh is kind of um, reunited that just bleed crowd almost yeah like i think like mma went through this phase where it was just like just punch him stand up like yeah, kick him in yeah, the dick like yeah, yeah like like that phase and then it went like real technical and like real real heavy technical and then like you couldn't almost couldn't watch it if you didn't understand like grappling and like yeah it's like why are these guys fainting at each other just punch it like if you yeah. didn't understand all of that you, it was probably hard to watch and then like someone like josh comes out and it's just like or well, what's going to happen tonight? <laughs> There's no questions about like this guy's dropping or this guy's dropping because like Josh is going to bring that type of fight, and really, that's what gets the bigger audience in. Like when it comes, yeah. that they, they're attracted to that. But like the thing that I respect most about Josh is that he openly says he's like, man, I'm kind of new at this, yeah. So I need to work hundred times harder than all these other guys. Like he's doing like strength conditioning programs that guys wouldn't normally be doing until they're in the UFC or been fighting for like five years. And yeah, like, yeah. He hired me like his first fight. And so it's like, he's, a, he's obviously super serious about it. He's just, yeah, he's not fucking about. And I think you shows, like it shows with the results that he's getting and everyone sees that. Yeah. Like they feel that energy and they just go, holy crap. Yeah, I'm keen for his next fight now. <laughs> yeah, Colby's a crazy one as well, man. He's another guy. I spent a fair bit of time with him overseas. Yeah. Again, man, I think being in that environment with Volk. Oh, yeah, every, that's sick, eh? He's mini Volk. He, yeah, and he is. And you know what the crazy thing is? Again, that mental stuff, I think it's come off. Like, when I spent time with him, he, man, that guy was up every morning, like, reading and doing meditation and stuff and doing all this crap. I was like, man, aren't you, like... 19 or 20 or something like yeah. man i could barely put two shoes on when i was that age like what are you doing he's just so switched on i think colby yeah he's going to be such a gun but give him like two three years he'll be massive yeah if you're young and listening to this podcast like i say this to ronan all the time like ronan's is 18 i'm like bro you could be the biggest savage like if you if you like i didn't start being a fuck i was a savage in uh like work like, I'd, I really would work hard. Like, when I was in America, you could put me on a shoot on a hill for five days with fucking 100 kilos worth of cameras, which, like, that is what we used to do. And I would stay on that fucking hill. I'd walk, like, 20 miles a day on, you know, with cameras. At, like, so in that lane, I was a savage. But, like, in nowhere else in my life was I a savage, you know? And, like, I got the results that that would produce. And then it was when I moved home... And I started jujitsu and I started doing all these things and I was like, I'm just going to be a fucking animal across the board and just see where it takes me. And like, lo and behold, your life gets better. And like I say to Rones all the time, I'm like go to the fucking gym, read, meditate. Like, there's just, there's these things that you can do and it's like not a secret if, if you just do them for like a really long time and you forget about the year or, you know, 12 months time, two years, you literally just go week by week by week like i live my life week by week and i've got idea it's like two or three podcasts read every day meditate every day 
three sessions of jiu-jitsu, stretch, try and eat good, sleep eight hours. That's my fucking week. There's not, I don't need anything else. And I just do week, 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 week. And then you look up in six months time, you're like, oh, fuck, look at all the shit I've done. Yeah, it's wild, eh? Like, um, you hear people say it all the time, like, nothing that we're doing is new. Like, we're not we're not figuring out that little thing you can plant on Mars that's going to grow corn and everything. Nah, we're, yeah. we're not figuring out all that stuff. Everything we're doing has been done by thousands of people before the blueprint's there. Yeah. It's, I think it's just like an uncertainty thing, hey? Like, people don't like uncertainty. Mm. They don't like not knowing that they've got a paycheck coming in the next week or not knowing what they're doing or, like, they if they don't have structure and like don't get me wrong structure is important but like i think that comes from that self-belief of like oh yeah i can jump into this black hole and not know where i'm going but i'm okay with it yeah but and you probably like you probably learned that bro from walking around with those fucked up backpacks for 20 miles you probably just built that mental resilience to be like you know what like fuck it i can do that i can jump in the black hole and i'm okay with that well i think i think it's just comes from like being around good people like you're the you're the same like you're in a you consider yourself like a normal dude but you're in a light like you're around all of these like extraordinary people and i just think it kind of rubs off on a point to a point you know and that was kind of like my goal with this podcast was like okay all these cool people that i know that have like made a difference on me and by 30 i finally started trying to get my fucking shit together so it's like all right how about i try and get all these people that are fucking way better than me to talk to everybody about like what makes people good or like what makes their life good and then hopefully because it's just that access to people that inspired me to do shit you know and then and then once you i think it's really hard as well like when you don't have like runs on the board like if you start meditating every day for the first six months you're just gonna sit there thinking about meditating while you're meditating and then you're gonna get the sense that you're not doing it properly and then if you don't read books and you're like okay i'm gonna start reading you're probably gonna have to reread the first page of the book you start five times and i think that there's a level of self-doubt that that brings into people because then you're seeing someone like um you know someone that will read like 30 books a year and you're like well fuck he's got something that i don't have and i think that speaks to what you said earlier is it's like volco doesn't have anything different Stylebender doesn't have anything different like genetically yeah there's some shit that's going on that's like letting them be a fighter but it's like you don't have to be a fighter like what they've got is this like mentality and this belief and then there's like this compounding effect that happens on yourself so like every time you get a bit of a win or a run on the board it just it compounds and then the next time you build off that and then you build off and then all of a sudden like the atomic habits is one of the best books i've ever read i probably mention it every podcast and there's a there's a a graph in there and it's like this is what one percent better a day for a year looks like and then you get this point it's like three quarters of the way through the year you start this up curve and then you can't fucking measure the curve past that you know what i mean like because it could it just goes up so i think that yeah the biggest thing is like well, people will try something and then they'll go like oh this didn't work for this time or or i was so bad at this like maybe this isn't for me but it's like again there's no secret it's just like this constant slow grind and i think that if you zoom out 
at uh, the problem. Like, let's say weight loss. Like, you want to lose, like, 40 kilos. That's, like, a fucking huge problem. That's, like, a big, big undertaking that is going to take a long time. Like, that's not something that you can do quickly. But week on week on week on... Like, you can do the... Like, seven days goes quick. And then you get a new seven days, a new seven days. Or even a day. You know, like, you can break the the macro into the micro and then you just start working and living in this like micro space and i think that's the thing that can kind of help on these like big undertakings like if you want to change your life in some way it's like that's a big undertaking so you can't look at it from that thirty thousand feet perspective because for most of a year like you're not gonna lose that much weight so it's like you're not gonna see a change but if you just break it down into these way smaller increments that you can stack on top of each other uh, and then the compound effect works of like that self-belief and you see that you know those incremental gains then i think that's what makes it easier to to hit those like bigger targets yeah for sure i've been doing um like i said a lot of endurance training i'm trying to get ready for a few ultra marathons yeah so i've been doing like 40 50k runs and, so gnarly. and it, it's long like and it's long and it's hard it's like mentally tough exactly what you said the way you get through it people always say like oh i can run like 10ks 15ks or i could do a half i could never do so it's like yeah you can because 25ks is only 4ks more than 21 and you just did five for like 4ks you know what i mean so it's like and when you get into those deep dark like pain caves in your mind that's what you do you break it down into these little things you're like okay i just want to go one more kilometer and then i'm going to have a sip i'm going to go you know 500 meters i'm gonna go to that light post and then i'm gonna bite this cliff bar or like yeah. and you break it up into things that seem manageable and then all of a sudden it's like five six hours later and you've just covered 50 kilometers and you're like holy shit where'd that go but you never if you look out if you go holy crap like i just ran around brisbane two times yeah it's like that's pretty crazy like that's that's daunting to look at but i think it's just people they get caught up and i think the biggest factor is like who you're around mm. that's what i found so much because that kind of clouds your judgment and your perception of things and i find this a lot it's funny in nutrition i find this a lot when you ask someone like what do you consider an unhealthy meal mm. and like what their response will they say will say a lot about like the who people around there and like what like how they grew up and what like my perception of a healthy like unhealthy meal is like I, I don't know like i can't really pin it because like well unhealthy What's it in relation yeah to? yeah like in, yeah like like, like what do you like yeah. it, like they'd be like mac is i'd be like yeah but like i have like ultra athletes that they have to eat that to, yeah. to get the calories in you know what i mean but then some people will be like oh man like no if i don't have if i have like my celery and i put peanut butter on it that's unhealthy because they've come from this like hugely restrictive yeah. background and you're like well that's like probably not a positive environment for you to be in you know so like i think the the people that are around you are going to change your perception on things so it's like mm. if all the people around you are like just doing whatever and they're like not really shooting too high or they're just really comfy it's like you're probably going to be really comfy because that's your perception of what's normal and what everyone's doing it's like that's if you want to like go off and do these crazy things like like you said go hang around some extraordinary people yeah because like and i think of that now like people are always like oh like your training's a bit full-on I go like, well, no, it's not like, cause I'm comparing my Just training, I'm comparing my else, training yeah. to these guys. And they're like, yeah, but that's like a bit full on. But it's like, yeah, but I've got to stay with them and compete up with them. You know what I mean? It's like, so I guess, yeah. Like if you're trying to get there, 
it's not hard. Like, yeah. We're not we're not a fucking tree. Like <laughs> that's the, that's the thing. You're not a tree. You're not stuck there. Yeah. Go find better people to hang out with. That is true. Hey, Rhodes, can you just do some googling and try and find some like before and after pictures of Action Bronson? Um, man, I'm fucking skinny, and Action Bronson has motivated me Action. to look better. I have you Have pic- you watched this? I no. want to get your reaction to this. So we need some. Uh, I wonder if there's like some before and after. Oh, dude. So I'd love to know exactly how much that he's lost. Like, holy that, crap! What? Look at that one. Oh damn! Is that? Whoa! <laughs> Is that legit? Nah, that's that's not Action Bronson. Is it? Nah. So go up to the top one, or maybe on his Instagram as well. But um, so I wanted to get you to react to this because he's lost. Yeah, so. 58 kilos in a year whoa so in one year yeah so go down have a look so go up a little bit uh, oh yeah action bronson has undergone a huge body transformation the new york rapper who was previously known for his almost 400 pound figure appeared in men's health magazine on tuesday to reveal how he managed to drop 127 pounds since march Wow. Uh, the journey started way long ago. I was born heavy. I was a heavy child. This transformation was long overdue. Um, he began sharing videos of himself working out in the gym earlier in the summer. In July, he posted a video of himself uh, working weight with the caption, down 80 pounds from a whopping 363 and still going strong. Go down. Uh, keep going. Um his decision to change his diet was inspired by his son's birth in 2019 um you always want to be around for your family all right what else is here yeah so there was he was having like a lot of health issues like pre-diabetes um eczema asthma um keep going down yeah dude look at him it's insane eh so this dude's like i'm pretty fucking inspired as a guy that's skinny by how hard he's working like some of the workouts that he's lot like he's done a lot of it through like weight training and stuff i can't believe you haven't seen much of this keep going down dude um yeah just trying to figure out the uh good info to take out of this go to his instagram for us Rose. yeah i wanted to get your take on this like what how how extreme is this like how hard is it to do what he's done from like a nutrition like diet perspective like knowing kind of what his body um looked like before like to be 400 pounds you know um he probably didn't have a lot of choice to be honest bro like 400 pounds is heavy like that's a lot of a lot of pressure on like your organs and like he probably had like pre-diabetes if not diabetes heart problems blood pressure yeah i find like that is a huge motivation for this type of stuff yeah like you see this all the time. When I first started as a dietitian, I finished my master's placement in an oncology ward. Yeah. And it was insane, like, how serious people took nutrition, but it had to take a cancer diagnosis for them to do it. Yeah. The same with anything. Like, you'll take it really seriously when you get sick. And, like, I'm going to assume there was probably something that Dude, kicked in here. He started jujitsu too, which is super dope. And he's, like, massive into, like, surfing and stuff like that. So, yeah, it, the change, like, but, like, man, you can see it in his face and stuff even, eh? Just, like, such a... It looks like a completely different person. 
good on him. Like, that's wild. Like, that's a crazy amount of weight to lose. But, like, it's not it's not undoable. The human body is a crazy thing. Like, if you, yeah. it's hugely resilient. Like, you can starve humans to next to nothing yeah. and then bring them back. And, like, just you got to know what you're doing. And same with this. He, I don't know what he had been eating, but you just need to put him in the right deficit. The thing with something like this, when it's really drastic, if you take it off too fast there's that huge chance that it might rebound because you've been too aggressive yeah. with the with like the calorie intake. It, we call it like a negative calorie bank. Like the technical term is like low energy availability. Yeah. And you get that for too long. You kind of go into calorie debt with your body. And if you don't manage that properly, a lot of the times, that's why you see, I think it's some crazy stat, like 90, 90 something percent of people who lose weight will put it back on yeah right so it's like and a lot of the time it is because they just go way too hard way too soon and they get in this crazy calorie deficit and this like negative calorie debt with their body so they stop it and then their body goes hey man like i need calories yeah what, what's high calories mcdonald's yeah Jacks, whatever. so you're just like creating a stronger craving yeah yeah for yeah your body. you see you see it with fighters all the time that's why they get that fight like post-fight binge yeah like post-rebound hyperphagia and it's like it's because there's there's studies bro where um a fighter in an eight-week camp has gone into a hundred and ten thousand calorie debt one of my mentors dr carl langan evans did that study and measured everything everything that went in their body like diet induced thermogenesis like how much they'll pee in blah, blah blah did all their bloods everything and this guy went in 110,000 calorie debt to his body and then after it just shot what right right back up he's like metabolic hormones kind of went all funny and but he like eventually corrected it but like as an end result of it a lot of the time like your metabolism takes a little bit of a hit and yeah. your body composition changes a bit so like this is cool though like if he did it the right way man that's awesome like that's such a huge amount of weight to lose but it's doable it's just consistency right which is what a lot of people don't have yeah losing weight is consistency and it gets hard because your body is constantly readjusting to the new normal yeah so like you'll get to a new normal and even if you're just taking a little bit off at a time and then it'll be like okay but now i've got to either like eat a bit more and i can get away with it and then that like might mentally trip up a lot of people and they just binge out yeah or like they're like oh, okay i'm like at this plateau and i've got to eat a little less but not too much less but just a little less so like you've got to constantly be readjusting it and by the look of it if he's done it over a year he's probably like one he's probably got a lot to lose so like yeah it'll dramatically probably come off and if he's like gone from being completely inactive no diet whatsoever you're going to get like pretty drastic results in that first part yeah very impressive though like say after three months that he's stuck at it yeah because a lot of people don't they just go nah well they don't know how to manage those little increments where they've got to put more in or put less in or increase the activity or like yeah. increase like your your steps so like your non-exercise activity goes up to keep you in that deficit yeah i i don't know did he have a team doing this or did he just uh, i think really uh, go go down a little bit Rose. let's try and find a video of him working out like go into one of, like he he just took it uh, from from what it seems like like i've been following it oh no that's not a Go to the one there where he's on the medicine ball deal. Um, yeah, I mean, dude, I've been following it for, yeah, like over over a year. Just He's one of my favorite people in the world, like in general, um, like a huge fan of him. But to see this is just, yeah, I, I, I would love to know how many kilos he's inspired other people to mm. lose. Like I would love to know the cumulative weight loss that's happened as a result of action bronson because you know there's 
fucking millions, well, hundreds of thousands of people that that would have been inspired by this, you know. But um, it just seemed like from from me watching it, it was just a full on embrace um, of this need to lose this weight. Um, and yeah, like you know, whether it's weights at the, I'm pretty sure this would be in his his apartment. Um, but yeah, he got weights at his apartment and he was going to the gyms and he travels all around. He's going into gyms. So it just seems like he made this crazy lifestyle commitment to it for, for this time. But like, so if there's people listen to this that are struggling to lose weight and maybe there, there are people that have got a lot of excess weight on, like, is it a mountain to climb in the way that people probably think it is? Or is it? a bit easy like is it easier to lose weight than people think or make it out to be or like i'd love for you to be able to give some people some confidence to actually have a crack at it if 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 there is confidence to be found you know yeah like it is like at the end of the day like you don't need me with two degrees to tell you like calories in calories out calories is in, that cal- all it is because that's what it always seemed like so, to me it's like so, if you want to lose weight there's like there's calories go in your body and then there's calories go out of your body and if you have less calories going in than are going out you're probably going to lose weight essentially like again if we talk about going down the rabbit hole and go down all those things if you wind it back to go what's important essentially yeah calories in calories out but there's a whole lot of other things that that means and what's more important is like you break it down so calories in is pretty simple like the food you eat but what's calories out people just go oh you exercise it's like, no it's not it's like we're sitting we're burning yeah. calories here like you've got your your basal metabolic rate which is your baseline if you laid down in bed all day you yeah. need calories for that yeah and then you need calories for what we call your non-exercise activity which is just like fiddling around i know playing the violin doing whatever so all of that you've got for your exercise that you're going to be doing and then you've got for your digestion like diet induced so if eat food you're going to break it down that has an energy cost to it yeah so all of those things count for your energy out what a lot of people make the mistake of is like i said earlier they go way too aggressive on it and it's not so much the calorie balance it's what we call energy balance and energy balance is the amount of calories that your body has available for physiological function and the way that you determine that is like an equation where you go your calories in minus what you've burnt divided by your fat-free mass Mm. So your fat-free mass is your muscle mass. So if you take someone like Action Brunson, who at that time when he started probably didn't have a lot of muscle mass, muscle mass, his the required amount of energy balance for his physiological function to just work normally would have been a lot lower. Mm. Would have been a lot lower because he had a lot less muscle mass. So he could have probably went in a pretty drastic deficit and it would have been hard. Like he would have got a lot of the psychological like things going on like when you put your body to that high level a lot of hormonal things you get resistant say to insulin Uh so when you eat food you don't store it away as properly so your blood sugars go up and you become pre-diabetic and then eventually become diabetic it's part of this thing we call metabolic syndrome where there's all these conditions that are linked to each other bad heart disease blood pressure diabetes thyroid dysfunction they're all linked because you've put your body through so much stress where you become resistant to the actions of all these hormones that are meant to be working like clockwork. So you get to that point, but then you go, okay, I'm going to change it. And then what you've got to do is figure out that deficit. And at that stage, like I said, not a lot of fat-free mass probably could have gone into a pretty heavy deficit, which he definitely would have. Mm. If he's changed his diet and he's doing jujitsu, fucking doing those medicine ball push-ups, whatever, huge deficit. But over time, he would have lost that fat. And this is where I say the hard part is managing it because you lose the fat and then you, what happens? You build more muscle. Like yeah. he's going to build more muscle strength training. 
so then that equation of what he body what his body needs for minimum physiological function has become different and it's probably gone higher yeah so what a lot of people make the mistake of doing is then instead of bumping up the calories which will still put him in a deficit and still work within that system and give his body enough to nourish itself but still lose the fat yeah they go down and when they go down you get into all these issues of low energy availability where things will shut down like your thyroid will go down lower yeah. which will slow your metabolism and then like you you won't be able to you, you'll still burn fat but you'll be less efficient at it yeah. because you're eating too little calories and that's the tricky thing about dieting is people don't know how to okay what point do i increase it do i decrease it do i keep it down ultimately you just need to be in a calorie deficit but the degree to what you're in that deficit has a pretty big impact on the system. Yeah, yeah. And because, so, yeah, so you'll get people that will try and lose weight and they'll like exercise real hard, cut down food, and then they feel fucking terrible. Like they literally can't function in day-to-day life. And they're like, man, I don't know if I could do this for the time it takes to lose the weight. So that's what is, that's probably what's happening is like they're just, they've gone so extreme that then the system isn't regulating itself properly anymore. It's making you feel shit. So you stop the the uh thing that are taxing the system that much yeah and then on top of that you've got like the psychosocial things like you going out and learning how to manage when you go out to a restaurant with all your friends who are drinking beer and eating pizza and then maybe you can't fit that in your calories for the day or whatever what do you do so you've got to think about that then you've got to think about the emotional side of it and the psychological side what's your relationship with food can you Mm. is putting someone through this for 12 months are they afterwards not going to be able to look at certain foods or are they going to have these like weird asphyxiations like oh i've got to put this like Mm. here 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 and have this many peas like are you destroying like that mental side of it so it's like getting that fine balance like like we've been saying all episode is like it's the whole right and to do something like this you've got to get all those ducks aligned like Mm. yes if you want to lose the weight calorie deficit it is calories in calories out but like i just explained a bit deeper than that yeah get that right but like man your body is going to be destroyed if you've never done this training and then you're doing this training so your sleep is going to be super important what you do for recovery his joints have probably never like so much pressure from the weight but they would have never been armbarred they would have never been like putting yeah, a camora yeah. and things like that so it's like your recovery is going to be super important all of that is going to play into your motivation to keep going yeah and that's the thing is like why well, i asked does he have a team around him because he's probably got a trainer that's probably filling all those roles yeah that's the thing when you take someone through a weight loss journey it's not just the food yeah it's like you've got to build that relationship because it one yeah it's the food they're eating but they have a relationship to that to food that. well he's a chef yeah well they there you go so there's probably like yeah all so, of these demons so there. go go up we'll try for us so uh yeah so this is all like the food that he made he's like a world famous chef and rapper so like he would have had like his he had a series on vice for years called fuck that's delicious where all he did was travel around the world and eat food and wine and like he was a bigger guy so like it was part of you know his identity it's a pretty complex thing to be able to do what he's done like not just physiologically but in terms of like you said the social the psychological aspect of it but but you know like and again i'm a super fan but you can see his life like the positivity that he's got going on and he's doing these new sports and you know he's traveling around he takes like a fucking boogie board and he's like you know be in dubai these indoor surfing play like it's just opened up his life completely just by changing his you know physiology yeah and it's crazy that he was a chef because he probably knew like he probably knew the food that he was eating was probably not ideal for whatever or maybe he just didn't care like he's just like i don't have any aspirations to be smaller so fuck it i'll just eat whatever but 
he probably knew it and then that probably played along with it like he probably just got to a breaking point yeah he's like fuck this i don't want to be that person anymore yeah and then they're like like i said there's probably all those health issues and if some, one of them flared up like that's a scary thing like that's a confronting thing that your body your own body is failing on you because of the actions that you did for years and years on end but that's like it's like hope at the tunnel end of the tunnel right it's yeah. like if you do these things your body's yes you've put your body in this position but it's such a crazy mechanism and machine you can get out of it as well yeah and like that's insane like that's insane that he's been able to do it just the dedication the sheer dedication because people always say oh to lose weight you need motivation it's like no you don't like you do not need motivation because there's so many other things like it's like anything like doing jujitsu or, or running a business whatever like you just need to be consistent and you need to be disciplined at it yeah and you need to have the right people so when you like kind of hit like you need to put gutter balls up yeah like gutter yeah. shit so you don't go off track so when you go off there you're making sure you're following the right lane the whole way through and that's impressive you don't see that very often you what you see a lot is like people will do like these eight 12 week challenges yeah they'll lose all the weight and then a crazy amount of them will just put it all back on again like i was explaining because way too aggressive to it, yeah. way too aggressive so every part of their body is just saying calories 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 and then they never taught any of these coping mechanisms or psychosocial mechanisms or didn't improve their relationship with food yeah so when they get to the end of that they just go oh yeah like let's get on the beers and get yeah. a kebab and get some macas and oh there's another eight week challenge in two weeks yeah like, let's just go yeah, hard these yeah. two weeks and then get so it's like this real vicious cycle yeah yeah fuck yeah you're so right um and f- like health wise is 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 it a massive advantage to be in like the sweet spot weight wise for your size like how big of a deal is being a little bit overweight or a little bit underweight like obviously if you're operating on extremes then there probably is going to be more extreme consequences but like is there a sweet spot and like it really pays to stay in that lane yeah i don't think you know this but this is like if i say i had a room of dietitians looking at me now this is probably one of the most heated arguments in the dietetics world right now because there's a movement and don't get me wrong i fully support the notions of this movement and i'll explain why and then why i do not it's called health at every size so it's a movement where it says you know what uh, yeah okay. society has like yeah. made us think that if you're fat you're unhealthy and you get treated differently you don't have the same access to medical treatment because when you go in and sit down the doctor is just straight away going to say assume you've that, got yeah. to lose weight all these problems are there because you lose weight and you know what to a degree that is true like you can be in a bigger body and you can be technically like a BMI that's over this and the doctor does your blood markers and you're fine and you're technically healthy and then maybe you've got great relationships around you and every other aspect of your life is healthy. That is true. That can happen. But there's a point. Like there's a point. Like I'm going to say when Action Bronson was 400 pounds, when he went to the doctors and he got his blood test and that there was probably a lot of things going on. Yeah. And then I'm going to be pretty confident that they led to things that were more sweet like more serious that led to this yeah and that's where that kind of field comes in and you go okay well yes i want you to embrace your body i want you to love the body that you're in you should not go anywhere and be judged or we should not pass judgment on people for being a particular size but you can't deny that you can't deny that okay if you go to like the doctors and your liver function tests are through the roof and you've got early stage like non-alcoholic fatty liver disease that's something you're going to have to address sooner yeah. or later. Something in your lifestyle, whether it's diet, whether it's exercise, whether it's psychosocial, whether what, that's something you've got to address. Yeah. Like we can't just bypass 
medical information but i do like that concept of no people shouldn't be judged for that and i think yeah. on the other extreme of it as well like when people are really thin like yes it's that's good. the crazy thing is that sorry to cut you off but like you'll see it like let's say a chick that's super skinny and people feel no real reason to like defend someone being super skinny but you're right in society it's like if you see like a plus size model it's like well you can't fat shame her mm. but skinny shaming seems to be completely fine you know like there's people like oh she's way too thin she needs to eat more blah 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 and like i mean i know people like i've dated girls where it's like you wouldn't say they had an eating disorder but like they eat what i eat and just don't put on weight you know like everyone is kind of different in that in that sense yeah absolutely man and like yeah there is that kind of con- like weird thing where it applies for these guys but yeah. doesn't apply when yeah. you go and like one of my best friends from university she's dedicated her career to eating disorders and like the work she's done is amazing but i could not do what she does because the things that those guys go through is insane like the health risks that come from being too small like is insane it's essentially what i do for a job basically is get people really skinny small, but like but healthily yeah yeah, yeah but yeah. like you're trying to balance it all out but i couldn't imagine living in that state yeah like yeah. if you were like that like just being so run down and not having like i was saying that negative energy balance where your body doesn't have enough calories to do basic physiological function mm. what that must be like to be in that every single day like mentally what that must be and like to want physically. to stay there yeah and then and then what complexes have gone on in your life that have led you to not want to change that yeah and to not want to improve and like that's why i have so much respect for dietitians and doctors that work in the disordered eating and eating disorder space because that's such a huge undertaking like i'm saying it's a whole thing that you have to address you can't just go to that person and be like here's a here's a protein shake or a meal replacement whack back 10 of them and you'll be right next one yeah pay your bill yeah. next one come in like it's a whole thing yeah you've and, almost got to be a psychologist more than a dietitian. yeah absolutely like and then it, it like it's a disease right it's a condition so you've got to treat that condition but i just feel it's it's like you said they're viewed differently yeah. than say if like a plus size person comes in it's like it's almost like yeah that's kind that's of bad all, but this is all right yeah yeah and it's like it, it's it's a very strange thing but going back to your original yeah there's a sweet spot i think everyone kind of has that sweet spot that your body will naturally want to sit at and you see this with females guys are a bit different because we're just dum-dums and we don't have to pass on like the human gene to the next generation like all we do is just hump and bump and go like yeah, yeah. And it's just like we're not that needed like but females they're such complex creatures they've got a whole nother system in there what's normal for like a body fat composition for them can range anywhere from like 12%, which is like quite lean for a girl up to 26 and everything in that range yeah. can be completely healthy. I have athletes that sit at like 24%. And if we creep down to like 20%, shit hits the fan. Really? Shit really hits the fan. The period goes like, it's just like the yeah. mood goes, all these other hormonal things happen. You take blood tests. It's just, it's like, yo, your body wants you to be up here. Yeah. Like you either got to go to the gym and build crazy amounts of muscles, which probably won't work, but, or we've just got to stay up in this range. Yeah. And, and then I've got girls that walk around like 14% and we can get down to like 8% and they'll be fine and they can eat like three, four, five thousand 5,000 calories. Yeah. So it's like, it's very individual and like understanding that. I just think it's a shame when people try to fit something. Like they'll be like, I see someone like even mm. a dude or a girl at like, seven to 12 percent body fat and i want to get there i've never been below 16 17 18 in my life no matter how hard i've died but i want to get there yeah so i'm always going to chase that dragon 
always going to chase that dragon. Even though it's physiologically <laughs> Even like though, not something that's on the cards. And you know what? You probably could get there. You probably could like get there if you did crazy amounts of exercise, like so went out in the desert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that too is well. heaps, <laughs> like heaps of molly and just yeah, stay in the room and rave. But like, but you probably could get there, but you'd be fucked. When you get there, you'll be completely fucked. Your system, and you won't be able to sustain it. You won't be able to keep your either go off onto that end and end up down that psychological problem issued area where you've got like an eating disorder and all these problems now or you're just going to rebound back up there where your body wants yeah and it's like what's the psychological damage that happens every time you try to do that so that's like coming back to that like health at every size movement. i like that part of it i like that part where it's like you don't have to always be shooting for this because there's a lot of mental fuckery that happens by going and i see it like even with professional athletes doing that all day like I've, I've had one of my athletes say to me when we were in a hotel room one day after a weigh-in and they just put up a picture of him and then um, they're like, yeah, look good. And then like a couple of weeks later, he was like, you know what's fucked? Is that like I'm at my natural walk-around weight and people will like tell me that I look fat or I yeah. look out of shape. because this, But this is my normal, but because I like use like a scientific approach to get down to my body's absolute lowest for about 20 minutes and then we just pump water and food and just didn't look like that anymore. He's like, but people expect me to look like that all the yeah, time. Yeah, especially in fighting too. Yeah. You know, it's like gladiator sort of shit. Like that's the only thing that anyone spoke about in Ben Askren was like, fuck dad bod. Yeah, yeah, you know, exactly. It's like he's just probably not an athlete to that point. You know what I mean? Like genetically, it's just probably not what his body looks like. Yeah, and it's like even with a lot of sports, but fighting so much because there's so many components to it. It's like you don't have to be super shredded to be good. Well, the weird thing is fighting is one of the only sports that you play with your shirt off yeah that's true so you know you got like swimming but you're in a pool like mm. it literally fighting is like the athletic uh physique is on display it's like a marquee of the uh of the bout that's taking place and you you literally will use that you know you look at like yoel romero versus robert Whitaker. like yoel romero wins chris costa wins like yeah, yeah that's the you know that's like the mma math at its lowest level is like big man win fat man lose yeah, yeah, it's crazy. But then you like look at guys like Dan Cormier, yeah. like one of the best to do it. And he just looks like, and, and like I know he's a nutritionist. He eats pretty well and diets down. He just he just never gets like shredded. And I've got athletes like that. They'll get down to like a lower body fat percentage, but they just don't look shredded. Mm. And it's just and it kind of does play on them. And it's like I get it. I get it to an extent. And but you just got to remind them, like, man, who cares? Well, that's probably where you come in yeah. to say, like, hey, like we've done the fucking math. Like you're just not that guy. And yeah. And that would probably be something that gives them a bit of peace of mind. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, if you can go in and you can like kick the shit out of this guy and you win, no one's going to be talking about that. Like, I appreciate it. Maybe maybe they're not getting like a budgie smuggler sponsorship where they're going to be up on billboards or whatever. But it's like, man, when it comes to doing your job as an athlete, as a fighter, you're at your optimal. You're at your peak. We figured it out. Like, look at these numbers that you're throwing. So mm. why worry about it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, what's the best way for somebody... So, like, for me, I would have no idea, like, what my weight is. I pretty much don't leave... Well, I guess I do. Like, my weight now... Like, my weight doesn't fluctuate. Um, I am about 75 kilos all the time. 75, 77. And I haven't actually competed in jiu-jitsu for a while, but normally I'll try and fight lightweight, which is, like, 73.5, I think 76 in the gi. Easy for me to get to the gi. Like, I just clean, clean up my weighted a little bit but like to do the 73.5 for no is kind of hard but i've never done like a weight cut with somebody like that actually knows what they're doing but 
how would you find out as a regular person like okay what should my weight be like what's my optimum zone I always used to say to people like go down and get like a body composition scan and a DEXA. I don't I don't really say that now because I think for everyday people you have an innate understanding. But what if you're overweight? You you still know. Like at the end of the day, like if you're a little bit like you'll know. I have guys at the gym, even if they're a bit overweight, that it's either they know that they're not performing well, they do the rounds and they're struggling. Oh, I'm a few kilos heavier than oh my my best weight, or when yeah. I get back in shape, you know, everyone has that. How many people at the gym say that? Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm a bit heavier than what I normally do. Oh, I, you know, I'm yeah, pretty light at the moment. Right. You have this innate understanding because you feel it when you go to training. Like if you are a bit heavier, your gas yeah, tank suffers. You I feel, feel it when I'm lighter. You're slower, yeah, as and, well. Too. Yeah, yeah. Like you like fatigue. Too light on my uh, and you don't feel like strong. You know. Mm, yeah yeah get in like chokes or something and like when you're squeezing you're like man i'm gassing pretty fast here and then when you get out of it you like struggle to recover yeah like so you have this innate understanding and that's what i say to people it's like play around with your diet like first and foremost nourish yourself properly like make sure you're fueled up for training make sure you're eating like don't go restrictive don't you can do fasting and whatever if that suits your lifestyle but don't immediately go restrictive mm. see if you feel good like do you feel good okay like knock something out like knock a little bit off your meals see what happens to your weight like you knock a little bit oh man my weight's maintaining okay well you're probably eating a bit more over there knock a little bit more off yeah okay and just slowly work down like you can get really in deep like really deep with it go get a dexa scan look at all your body composition okay i'm 16.7 percent body fat i could theoretically get to 12 percent if i lose it it's like yeah but when we're you know people are paying you a lot of money to go do that at the ufc and you've got to like weigh in at it bang right on this one at this time at yeah, this time, yeah. That, that that's worthwhile that's worth for everyday people like you and me play around with your diet first and foremost see what feels good because you're never going to keep a diet up if you feel like shit yeah and your body will tell you your body doesn't want to be in a calorie deficit it's too sophisticated of a machine it's got too many things running so when you put less fuel in there it's not like a car that'll just keep operating it'll tell you yeah like, okay you, you've got lower calories okay i'll let you get by with it for today but you know what you're going to feel it tomorrow when like your arms are sore and your legs are sore and your abs yeah. are just killing you okay didn't do it again today now you're, i'm going to give you brain fog and you're going to feel shit okay now you're going to like say something really stupid in this meeting because you're not thinking properly yeah, yeah. like like your your body, will, your tell body you. will tell you you'll tell you you have this innate understanding this is where it gets kind of complicated when it gets to those bigger guys though because like i said you become resistant to a lot of hormones and stuff and yeah. for me and you when, when you said this, you wake up in the morning, you feel really hungry. So that's a hormone in your body yeah. telling you that you're hungry. Yeah. The crazy thing that what happens is part of this metabolic syndrome that happens when you get too overweight and too much body fat and all these systems go resistant is you become resistant, say, to leptin and ghrelin, the hormones that say, hey, I'm hungry and I'm full. So like, yeah. you, like, so one will go down and the other one will become resist. So you'll always feel hungry, but you'll never feel full. Yeah. When then you'll get resistant to insulin. So when you're breaking down, say, carbohydrates, you're not going to be storing them away. Your body's going to like put them in your blood and then your blood sugar is going to go up. Uh, and so you've got, so it's like this vicious cycle that it just gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah, right. So for like people like that, it's probably you can't intuitively do it. That, yeah, that's what I mean. Like I feel like there's people that they just wouldn't know. They, they would have got, maybe they got 10 kilos, 15, 20 kilos extra on them i feel like it would be pretty hard 
for them to know the direction to even go like what's the how extreme yeah. can i go like and maybe that's where you kind of have to get more professional yeah advice. that's the thing is like the end of the day if you chip your tooth or you you know something stuffs up in your car you got to go to see a professional i think once you're at that stage you know you've probably chipped a couple teeth and a couple tires and an engine's probably like a fuse box or something's blown. Yeah, like yeah. you've got to go get it checked it because you can go to a dietitian and you probably could google it and figure it out but like okay what's the norm for your height and weight and what how much calories should you be taking in yeah and like okay what's your activity that you do this is theoretically how much your body should be able to take in and stay at that weight go eat at that and see what happens yeah okay you can't like keep that weight like you put on weighting in at that that says to me you've got metabolic damage from probably years and years of like aggressive dieting now you've blown up into this so we've got to do a whole approach to fix that. Yeah. And that's hard to navigate on Google. Like that's yeah. very hard to just go home and go. So and like, there's a lot of self-doubt that would come in there too, uh, you know? Like I feel like one of the, like it, for the fighters that work with you, it's just like, that's a box that's ticked that I now don't have to worry about. You know what I mean? And uh, it's like, if you've if you've got that stress, like, I mean, I know for me, like when I do jujitsu competitions and my weight's a thing that I have to work at getting down, that's more stressful to me than the fight itself. And like, I'm spending more time thinking about my weight than I am thinking about the competition itself. And that seems like a diminishing returns kind of factor at play. Yeah, heaps of people say that to me. Like I, I hired you, like a lot of the times they know what to do. It's just, you're my stress reliever. I've, I've done it a hundred times. I kind of know what to eat, but I just want you there just in case. Mm. Just in case I don't hit my weight targets for two weeks instead of me playing this game and putting all this effort and energy into figuring out what's going on with my diet, I want you to do that. And then when it comes to my fight week, I don't want to have to think about like what foods I have to eat and how much I have to cook and what I have to manipulate. I just want you to do that mm. because it is like, and yeah, if you compete, even jujitsu, it's stressful. Yeah. And like, like they call it the fight before the fight for a reason. It yeah. just plays on guys' minds. It's the biggest thing. So many people put so much more effort into making weight they almost forget that they've got a competition or a fight or a match afterwards. It's wild. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Hey, I'm gonna piss real quick. Yeah, yeah, I get yeah, to my yeah. Next question. Hydration is key. <laughs> Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. We back. Um, all right, so with that being said, what are some, like, stay away from these foods from these things like if you had to um give people a bit of a roadmap of like here's what you just don't do do this other shit if you have to eat mcdonald whatever don't do this i'd say 
probably stay away from the people that tell you to stay away from too much stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, really, I don't like saying that whole thing where it's like there's no bad foods because I think anything in too much is going to be bad. But really, people have so much misconstrued perception of what happens to food when it gets in your body. Mm. Like, like you have these talks and they're like, no, I can't have artificial sweeteners because they're going to, we don't know what happens. They break down and blah, blah. It's like, yeah, well, no, we do know what happens. And like you make them and nothing happens. Yeah. That should concern you. And it's just, that's just the science of it and let it be. But people like build up these crazy things and like, oh, if you eat too much McDonald's, there's so much preservatives and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, probably. But same if you drink a hundred beers in a row, like yeah. you're probably going to have some problems digesting that as well. So it's like, it's hard to be like, stay away from this, don't eat that. Because for you, you you might only have access to McDonald's on your drive to work. And if you don't stop at McDonald's and you're get something, you're yeah. not going to eat. Yeah. So, okay, let's figure out what we can do with that McDonald's and make it work. That doesn't mean you get a Big Mac or a Pounder burger every freaking day. But maybe that looks like you're getting a snack wrap and something else and we're making it work. Yeah. So, it's very hard. Like, you can't, you can't push that onto someone and say, stay away. Because like I said earlier, everyone has that innate understanding and relationship with food themselves and they've got their own ideas and ideologies around it so it's like you can't tell a vegan person that vegan is bad and that they can do just as well by eating heaps of meats because they've got this ideology that what they're doing is the most healthiest thing ever and that plays into this perception that what i'm doing is making me way healthier which is probably making them way healthier yeah so it's that like psychological thing so it's like it's very hard to be like nah don't eat this don't eat that i think like don't over drink too much beer i think that's a pretty safe one to say like things that are going to have immediate terrible consequences but there's really is no i hate saying that like there is no bad foods but there really isn't like i could tell you crazy things about sorry what my elite level athletes eat yeah like people think that they just eat 24 so i think like ronaldo has like ruined what athletes should eat like everyone sees him eating like these like crazy clean meals every single day and he's like i'll never drink a coca-cola i'll never do this it's like that's not what happens that's not what athletes do it's like finding that balance i think what makes people really elite or successful or to be able to do like what action bronson did is to find things that work yeah. it fits in with their ideology which drives into their motivation to keep doing it yeah and they can stay consistent with it yeah that's the hard part like that's the hard part with my job is like when you're talking to someone you're trying to navigate that it's not so much like i could give you five different diets if you want to lose weight that will all work to make you lose weight I could put you on keto I could put you on vegan I could objectively do this. work they yeah, will all but work subjectively might not yeah work. but will you stick to that and will you feel good on it or will you get yourself up in this rut if you're eating vegan you're like oh man like my b12 is going to be out of whack holy shit yeah, holy shit and yeah. then so all of a sudden at training like you keep telling me that you feel fatigued and because you think you have like a b12 deficiency yeah so it's like you need to figure that out with your clients and be like okay this is what's going to work for jason this is what's going to work for pete and this is what's going to work for chris and i need to like figure out what foods fit in with their food ideology and then keep them on that path yeah if that makes sense yeah yeah no it definitely does um i had a is there is there some weird shit we know in science about food where like you know you hear people say like your taste buds change every seven years or like Mm. whatever so i recently i'm a full-on chocoholic right well i was so i went 
we went to Manji, probably ate about eight kilos of chocolate on the way to Manji, eight kilos on the way back. And then I just got back from this fucking riding trip. And then I was just like, I'm, I don't think I'm going to eat chocolate anymore. And then I lit, dude, I had a chocolate last night and I've had a couple of for here and there, but like I used to get a Cadbury block of chocolate and smash like pretty much half of it every single night. It was like my fucking thing. And then just stopped. And then after that, I was just like, I might just like cut out dairy as well completely because I'd always wake up like real phlegmy and like I'd be like clearing my throat real bad I couldn't really breathe through my nose a lot like it there definitely there was some negative bodily effects of dairy for me um but I was really attached to it like I love having milk in my coffee and I loved eating chocolate like so you're right there was like some psychological attachments there but yeah random dude it just it stopped it was not even a plan like I just got to the supermarket one day I was like I'm not gonna buy chocolate yeah but I think, again, it probably comes back to your personality, like you being able to hike 20 miles with heaps of luggage, like you've built up some type of mental resilience and that capacity to be able to do that, that a lot of people probably couldn't do. Because like I say, say with the dairy, if someone says, hey, I want to cut out the dairy and they go, oh, I'm really like struggling with it. Or let's say they feel great. They cut out dairy and they feel great. And they're like, oh, I'm still going having my morning coffee with like with the girls and I'm still doing this and I'm having my smoothie. I'm just using almond milk and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's like yeah but you probably don't feel great because you cut out the dairy like you feel great because you're going out and socializing with Linda yeah, and you're, you're still, having, you're, still yeah. you're still doing all of these things but like now you just like cut out a source of calcium and you haven't like replaced that but i'll sneakily replace that with something else and just not tell you about it so we can keep running this little yeah, train right. that you think you're running on blah 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 so it's like that's pretty much what food is like same with like late night chocolate or whatever yeah don't get me wrong like your body when you eat certain amounts of foods like your body wants to balance that out and like that's why everyone's like after they eat a savory meal be like i want something sweet yeah that's what it is for me like i just i crave like literally since i um since i stopped so i still have yogurt i like yogurt and that doesn't seem to make me as like phlegmy and shit but yeah as soon as i finish dinner man i just want that savory taste out of my mouth and i want sweet yeah yeah that's all that's all i think it is yeah and it is because when you go in there's so many millions of receptors in your brain that are linked to your taste buds and so you're firing all these ones and you kind of want to fire those other ones and it's like a lot of people will be like oh yeah i'm addicted to sugar i'm addicted to sugar and i (laughs) don't get me wrong i think that's a addiction is a very very complex thing but when people say to me i'm addicted to sugar maybe you very well could be i'm not going to say you're not like there could be some like literally brain chemistry thing going on with sugar is your yeah, vice. like a real legitimate physical addictions like quite a complex thing eh? so this is what i say i say if you're addicted to sugar and i went and got a bag of white sugar and put a spoon next to you, you and i left the room that. would you and yeah. when i came back would you punish it and they go no way and i go then you're not addicted to sugar because if i went to a recovering heroin addict and you put heroin and on i the put table. heroin on the table <sighs> left them in left them in a room that's fucked you would never do that but yeah. like so and it's a good point about food is that there's so much of it is psychosocial mm. why do you love why do you love sugar because when we eat sugary foods we're usually with someone that we have a strong relationship with doing something that we like we're watching a movie eating a chocolate bar you know hanging out doing our fate this is what we do every friday saturday night this is me and jace's thing you know what mm. i mean so it's like there's that relationship that you have to get over and so when people are like oh you know i just can't cut out sugar i tried to cut out sugar you will get a lot of drawback from your body but a lot of it will be hey like 
because you're cutting out all of these emotive psychological things and that's why you get people like yourself and you're like oh i just won't eat it because you don't have all of these things built up that you're attached to that you're like okay if i don't if i can't have sugar i'm gonna have a little mini panic attack because i don't think i can sit down and watch a movie without like Mm. that physical like doing i need that sensation like frigate so there's so much deeper like don't get me wrong maybe some people maybe may i'm not saying no but most people it's that relationship with food and the psychosocial thing yeah. that's what you have to that's what makes nutrition so hard and that's like even like dietitians struggle with it and then we struggle with it having all the knowledge of all of these things yeah. and then you get guys who know nothing about it and they try to coach other people and this is something that kind of irks me a bit this is going a bit sidetracked but like dietitians would be like oh f all these like nutrition and health coaches what they're not qualified to do but it's like if they're getting good results for their clients, they're probably more in tune yeah. with whatever these relationships are and they're better at like mending them and they probably are going to get better results with those guys regardless if they know all the things we know about calories and science and micronutrients and all of it. That They probably can just, maybe they just have a like a knack for it. Yeah. They just know that people like eating chocolate while watching movies and, blah, and that's their thing and they found a group of people that all do that yeah. and they found a way to work them through that yeah. and replace that with I don't know a carrot and then yeah. then be happy with that being a carrot you know what I mean yeah it's so true because you know like for me it was like a meme like people would know that I would just eat chocolate like that at night. you know like I'd have friends that come over and it's like dinner goes I'm just busting out just eating this block of chocolate like and people that was like a funny thing to them or like a crazy thing to them and it just it almost becomes like who you are like what you do there's like who we are is just the story we tell ourselves about our life and when you start identifying with that story that's being told it's like oh that is me i eat a block of chocolate a night and then it's like you just change the story i'm like oh well i just don't do that anymore you know like it doesn't i guess it it is a more of a cultural like or, or a who you are like the attachments that you particularly have and i i think the same thing about weed like mm. people are oh, smoke weed every day people are like oh are you addicted i'm like well no like physically no like and i do it all the time like there'll be times where i'll i run out and then i just don't have any and then i'll wait a couple of weeks until i get more as like a bit of a personal check to it but all that I figure out in those two weeks where I'm not smoking weed is that I would just way rather smoke weed. Like I can not do that. And there's plenty, like there's many instances where I don't do it, but it's like just figured out that I kind of just like this more than not doing it. Yeah. And it'd be like the same thing if I came in here with a bag of weed and like, I don't know, a bong and a lighter and was like, Jace, I'm going to leave you in here. And you'd just be like, well, man, I've got stuff to do. I don't feel like smoking weed. But you know what? Later on at 8 p.m., yeah, Yeah. thanks. I'll have it because you've got that control and there's like, there's not that crazy attachment and you've got like behaviors and everything. It's not a physical thing. Like there's no, like I wouldn't look at it physically in the same way as you said about a bag of sugar. Like uh, that's such a great analogy because if you put a bag of sugar in front of me, like there's no way I'd want to eat that. Like it's sort of the the packaging that it that it comes in, you know. Like there's no physical need where like I will start salivating and like have to have a fix of that fucking sugar. Yeah, and even that, like the packaging, bro. Like there are legit people. Their whole job is like food psychology, right? Yeah. Like that's the same with thing with the, you go to a, like a food supermarket. Like all of the big brands that have the best packaging have it at eye level and yeah. all of the good natural stuff is all down there yeah and like coca-cola literally pay 
millions of dollars to have be at the front when you walk into an aisle and the fridges to be coke fridges yeah exactly so it's like all these little psychological hacks Mm. and it's the same with like mcdonald's like the texture of foods that they've nailed it they now know what textures work best with parts of our brain that make us go okay yeah like this works well and make these associations and start because that starts forming our behaviors and then that starts influencing our decisions. So every, which are habitual. Like which are our, habitual, yeah, which yeah. then we go to believe that I'm addicted to going to yeah. McDonald's. But no, you're not addicted to it. Just, at, it's the just end habitual, of, yeah. at the end of every rugby game where you take your kids to, it's become that thing where everyone yeah. enjoys this. And then this is this thing we do as a family. But that's constructed by these guys. You know yeah. what I mean? That sounds like cynical, but... It's true. It's true. Yeah. Well, that's what we talked about free will on an episode. And like, I, I, I don't think we have free will in the way that we think we do. And it's like, that's a perfect example of it. Like, are you free to not eat McDonald's once that urge hits your brain? And it's like, sometimes you might be able to say no to that, but you don't know why you were able to say no this time and not the time. Like I had it the other night where I was driving home and then someone said, I'm going to get McDonald's on the way home. And I was like, oh, uh, my buddy Cam said we were about to go to the, the beach and then it, we, were, we were talking about diet randomly and he's like yeah I never really see you eat McDonald's or anything and then I was like fuck now I want McDonald's so bad and I had no control dude like I we drove back from the beach I was like I'm getting a fucking cheeseburger and a frozen coke like we're fucking doing it there was no way I would have I just there's no way I could have said no to that yeah it's probably like some weird little psychological hack like I do that with my clients like where you're like yeah, man, like I, I guarantee, I, like if they're super competitive, like I'll be like, man, I guarantee I, I could do that better than you, like diet-wise or whatever. It's like, man, if I can if I can do it and I'm just a Joe Schmo, like you're meant to be as an athlete, what? and they're like, oh, well, fuck you, I'll fucking eat 10 million veggies, like blah, 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 because you're playing into that psychology of it and you're yeah. playing into behaviors and that's like essentially what our job is, is you're trying to like reinforce new behaviors. Yeah. Again, going back to action, Brunson, why that's so impressive because he would have rewired all of oh, this, like in so life. many aspects of his life, but then be consistent with it. Yeah. Like that's the craziest part, be consistent. So it's not just like temporarily putting these things in place. He fucking jammed it in there and he's like, nah, this ain't moving. I'm doing it. This is me. Mm. And that's crazy. That's crazy impressive. So you think that like with all this being said, do you think that there's a way then that like if you kind of know all this, you can just like re-engineer or like reverse engineer your relationship with food? Like, do you think that's probably a place for people to start is people to like analyze like what is my relationship with food? Like, because yeah, I mean, I didn't really think about the chocolate thing. Like that was like a kind of a meme. And then even I would, there's a part of me that would enjoy when I would order a coffee and people were like, oh, what kind of milk do you have? I'm like, just normal milk. Because that's not normal. Like, that's not a lot of people that are ordering just normal milk yeah. these days. There was a part of, again, it's like a meme, you know? It's like a, a cultural thing that's like specific to me. And then I'm like proliferating this meme of like, oh no, I just have normal milk. Or yeah, I eat a block of chocolate every night and I'm fucking skinny or whatever. You know what I mean? So like, I don't know, maybe people, if they struggle with food, it's like, analyze the relationships you have like be honest about like the role that that's playing in like who you are as a person kind of thing yeah absolutely but that's a hard thing to do right like that's a mm. hard conversation to have it's like i don't know it's like when you get really stoned and you look at yourself in the mirror and then you like just start asking yourself what have all those hard it's like that but you're like looking at food and you're like oh man like why is it that i like to eat crazy healthy and do all this is it because of all this thing that's a hard conversation to have that's what, again when you have like a professional with you it's easy because like 
you can be guided through yeah you're guided like it's like i was saying when you do, go bowling it's the it's the gutter balls which is probably i would say he action bronson would have had someone there because it's natural to sway mm. like reinforcing behaviors is a very very hard thing to do yeah like it's very very difficult but then but there are ways to do it like there's hundreds of millions of examples of people who completely change their life yeah whether that's crazy amounts of weight loss whether they get diagnosed with a disease and then they diet better their way out of it whether they just sit on the couch and then they go run 100 kilometers and like yeah but there's crazy they have to do crazy things to their life to do that and they probably do need some guidance and that's the weird thing about it hey like people are literally probably trained to look at that well they are trained to analyze your relationship with food Mm. and talk to you about it and let you realize that because even me like i like that's not my area especially i'm very aware of it because you have to do it but there's people that are way smarter than me in that area that could probably sit because down because it's with almost me. like behavioral science yeah exactly nutrition in a way exactly so they could teach me and they could do it to me and they would bring up things that i'd be like oh i didn't realize i did that you, you know it's like the same thing we go back to chip your tooth you go to a dentist you know your car blows up you go to a mechanic if you've got a bad relationship with food you know go to a dietitian like a eating disorder disordered eating dietitian and they could probably help you with that. Yeah. So um, is there any supplements in your mind that it's like this should be taken for just like the average Joe to like feel good? Like, so for me, I start taking glucosamine uh, every mm-hmm. night um, just for my joints and stuff. I feel like that's helped a bit. Like I've definitely noticed, uh, you could probably relate to this, like I'd get up in the morning and my feet would hurt from jujitsu. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And like, yeah, well, my hands are fucked at the moment. Um, but yeah, like my feet. If I I get out of bed in the morning and like that's where I feel it. I'm like Jesus fuck. Like it feels like I've just got all these like gnarly rusty marbles in my feet. And like when I walk around, it's like that's just pain all through. So that has pretty much gone away. Like I get up in the morning now and my feet are pretty good. Like I've got injuries. Like m- both my shoulders are I'm struggling with at the moment. Um, but, and I don't think any amount of glucosamine is going to like fix an injury as such, but in terms of just like the way my base level joints feel, I'd say that's made a difference. Uh, I also take creatine, uh, try and take creatine every day. Hmm. I've, I've never really read too much into it. I know that you can do like loading phases and stuff with it. Um, so I'm not sure maybe I should try and, uh, make that a little bit better. But other than that, I'll do like uh, CMBT, uh, the amino acids before like training and during training, but that's kind of it. So is there like some kind of supplement range? Because I'll literally buy whatever you tell me to buy right now, but <laughs> because like, I just don't really know, um, but that's the stuff that I take now. Um, and then, so I'd like to sidebar about creatine as well, because that's one where I get heaps of messages whenever I say I'm taking creatine, people fucking say shit. So, but first of all, we'll stick with like the supplement lane. Yeah. I always preface this with, with two things before I like talk about supplements now and because we, we started a supplement company, right? So it's like, uh, yeah. so it's like, I always have to say like, Hey, we started a supplement company and I've, you know, dumped two house deposits in this stupid thing. It's not stupid, but it's like, yeah, yeah. so it's like, there's obviously, full disclosure. yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. full, there's that. But then the other thing that I always say to people is like, there's like sports and performance supplements and then there's medical supplements and say medical like supplements. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, but those things like you need them. We need them in our lives. Like someone who's in hospital, who's malnourished or, or whatever, they need like, like TPN feeds. Like that's a supplement that they absolutely need and we need. When it comes to sports and performance supplements, 
every single one of them could be wiped off the earth today and we'd all be fine and athletes would still get stronger they'd still get fitter they'd still get faster we'd still break olympic records the world would keep moving where supplements come in is that when you've got all these other ducks in line and you're shooting them down you feel really good you're looking for that little bit edge or you're making your life more convenient or you're trying to get over say an injury or something a little bit faster that's where you can use it but a lot of the times i find with supplements there's usually some type of backstory and if we go for like far enough back there's a bigger issue we can address that addresses this mm. so like pre-workout is a big one heaps of people are like oh i can't train if i don't have my pre-workout that's the biggest red flag we always get yeah, uh, and, and i go okay well what do you mean and they're like okay well i just can't go like for my nighttime session okay well what are you eating around these are you fueling up to get into that session properly maybe you're just not having enough fuel on board maybe you're sleeping terribly maybe your sleep is shit and that's why you feel so run down mm. by 4 p.m or like thyroid problems Thi- because yeah, you're overtraining exactly all these other things so like let's address that first so so supplement can be like a band-aid sometimes that yeah, people use absolutely yeah okay. most of the time i feel like they mm. use it and it's like address the bigger issue even with um like i rate like glucosamine and omegas for like inflammation in your joints but maybe hey you if you went back and did some proper rehab and like put in the time like the four weeks with a good physio who knows what they're doing maybe that problem would go away and then mm. we wouldn't have you know what i mean so yeah. it's like backtrack and find that out in saying that there Which are is, that's exactly where i'm at with my shoulders like i'm literally gonna book six week block of physio to try and get my shoulders right because it's been like i'll uh, i'll give um now. i'll grab i'll give brad beer from pogo physio on the gold coast oh i see on the gold coast Done. yeah go see him because um yeah he does a lot of runners and um yeah i read his book and spoke to him a little bit and then did one of his programs that he has and i just had a bit of itb syndrome and yeah, right. holy smokes like i'm not gonna say i was like against it i was like because i was like maybe i can just take this and do that yeah two weeks it was all good it literally blew my mind so really? yeah so what was it syndrome itb syndrome so that's crazy tightness in your it band so essentially like it's it's not so much your it band so this is something i learned from like reading his book and his stuff and i'll get back to creatine yeah, yeah but cool. but um you know like and you always think okay i've got a tight it band you got to roll it out it's like absolutely don't do that it's like if you've got a tight it band it's like something's going on in that chain yeah that's causing like not even the it band like the fascia underneath to get irritated and yeah. like where it was where i was feeling it on those long runs really came down to like my tfl and my hip was getting like way too stretched out and shortened yeah. because i had like this like disparity in strength between my glute meats so when I was running and I got to these like certain distances, it was okay. I was overstriding on this step because my glute on this side wasn't strong enough to keep my hips like up here. Yeah. So when I came through, I wasn't going through and then like landing with all my weight in line. What I was doing was overstriding because this goes yeah. boom, overstriding, boom. And then I was putting all these forces up here and that was putting like an immense amount of pressure on my TFL. It was just taking it all yeah bro it's crazy crazy stuff yeah go see on pogo physio but um but um anyway back to this creatine i definitely recommend i recommend to all athletes all people and everyone in general like i tell my parents to take it yeah right creatine is like the most studied supplement in the world fuck and and when i was back at school creatine was like okay take it for the phosphocreatine system which is when you exercise like just wrap this up in 10 seconds is you start exercising for the first one like zero to three seconds you use what's called the phosphocreatine system really short sharp explosive then you like go into your anaerobic system 
and then you'll move into like your aerobic system. Yeah, they're all working, right. but like and the you only ever ones, really hear about the aerobic and anaerobic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're like they're all working at the same time, but you use different amounts of blah blah blah. But like that phosphocreatine is like really important because it's creatine, right? Like a phosphate and a creatine put together. Yeah. And then what they found over years and years is like you can get in your diet from fish, poultry, meats, other things like that. And your liver and kidneys can produce it from like amino acids, but then if you supplement it, you saturate. You can saturate your muscles with it which means you've got more of that creatine just available available and then it's like this whole thing with okay well how do you saturate it you can do that loading day where you go 20 grams per day like per day for five days or something like that or you can just take like what we usually say is like 0.1 to 0.3 grams per kilogram of your body weight you can just take that for between 20 to 28 days and that'll eventually saturate it yeah so you can either do the loading phase or you can just oh uh, just yeah yeah, yeah, just, yeah and yeah. I, I to be honest i just said if you're going to take it habitually and do it forever fuck the loading phase because you get like a lot of like water retention as well from that For the loading phase. Yeah, yeah yeah which you probably avoid if you do the lower doses yeah but man like crazy there's some cool research that's coming out about like the neuroprotective effects because we've got creatine in our brain huh. so like they're talking a lot now in combat sports okay well how do we use that for these guys that are just getting punched and kicked in the head a lot? Yeah. And then like for the elderly when, okay, well, we know that if we want them to encourage them to do resistance training. Those first few reps are using just that system, but yeah. they're probably not eating as well as what they should be. So we they don't put, have the fuel available for yeah. like just the initial. Yeah, exactly. And then for their brain function, things like that. And then there's a good uh, deal of research in bone health as well. So obviously as you get older, like to maintain that bone health like hip fractures are a huge thing for you know yeah. i think it's like crazy stat like some crazy amount of um elderly six months after they break their hip die so like having that like bone mineral density so that creatine's kind of like a do and all like does everything and you know what the the best thing about creatine out of all the research that it's had there's never really been a negative effect from it really yeah so like people kind of always say like oh does it like bad on your liver or your kidneys and it's just been proven because it's been studied so much so for long, so yeah. long and there's really no negative so it's like it's a bit of a no-brainer like definitely you could get it in your diet especially if you think of like vegans and vegetarians who just don't eat this type of food yeah they seem to get like an enhanced effect of it but even these guys that do eat it why, why not why yeah. not just take it there's nothing that's going to happen afterwards so yeah we put everyone on creatine like everyone i meet i'm just like hey take a creatine <laughs> yeah right and do you guys make it no no not yet we will be we yeah. are yeah we're just um we're releasing that later on but we will but um yeah man any brand any brand really like creatine monohydrate shit, yeah. like creatine hydrochloride like all that means is like the hydrochloride is meant to be easier to digest yeah in your system if you got no digestive problems take whatever yeah. whatever you can get your hands on so the the common thing so i i do I what i did do was glucosamine creatine and some magnesium and i just put it in a little drink bottle and that was like i'd have it before bed right so when should i be taking creatine ideally you do think it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter there's a little because bit of, it's like saturated in your system yeah yeah there's like a little bit of research if you want it to like go up better in your muscles like do it after a workout but at the end of the day like if you're doing it daily what's then? the goal it's the saturated just yeah, okay put it in whenever so it doesn't really matter yeah so and then the next thing that i get from people is or the thing that i get the pushback from people so in motocross there's this thing called arm pump i don't know if you've ever heard of that before basically you just get like yeah this yeah crazy lactic acid build up you in get it in jiu-jitsu sometimes yeah. yeah so i don't get arm pump riding much anymore like in extreme cases like in a really rough track really long moto like my technique's not good then i'll still get it but just as far as it goes like i can go and do like 30 minutes riding 
constantly without my arms getting that feeling and so people will always say and this has been an old adage through motocross this is like a motocross wives tale is creatine will give you arm pump i maybe maybe i would uh, i would probably say maybe not though mm. because what says to me is like what if it's anything like what you get in jujitsu when you yeah. do that yeah 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 that's like a crazy feeling a lot of the time it that's it, like an extreme thing, cramp yeah. it's like an extreme cramp almost and the reason that'll almost that'll come on is three reasons the muscles dehydrated yeah which the creatine would help for yeah technically help there may be an electrolyte balance which probably isn't the case like a lot of people think electrolyte and cramps and that research isn't as strong as what people actually think or three the muscles not as conditioned and you'll see the most people that get like there's a there's a portuguese word for it's like concrete arm or something like whatever for it is um but it happens mostly to white belts yeah you don't see a lot of like blue purple brown belts getting it because their muscles get more conditioned to it and so then you look at it and go okay well what's the conditions you're riding is it really hot where your muscles are dehydrate are you going really hard like are you just pushing your body to the max yeah would creatine be detrimental to that i would doubt it what would the what would the science of that potentially be like if you had to play the side where you said creatine does cause arm pump or would be a factor in it what would be the basis for that like is there anything that you could think of maybe maybe it leads to fatigue faster maybe maybe because you've got more water in there it's somehow it's not even the water you don't even hold that much water from the creatine to be honest maybe it leads to more fatigue I, I couldn't really rationalize it out to be honest i don't yeah yeah like i don't for me now i don't have that issue like i used to have but i remember so when i went to i went to thailand and i did the lachlan giles camp in mm. thailand and like i've been riding bikes my entire life like 20 fucking six seven years i've been on a motocross bike and i had arm pump forever like every time i rode i'd get arm pump and then uh, I went to this camp in Thailand and I did this 10 day thing with Lockie. It was hot as fuck. Like I was so dehydrated. Like I, that's when I really learned what dehydration actually was because I got like a pretty much a full body cramp. Like I could barely walk back to my villa and I was having like coconut water flat out and like these sachets trying to like get this, uh, the electrolytes back in. But I was having to go, we were doing so much jujitsu and I was only a white belt and my fucking arms dude like i was going home and putting my arms in ice like in the tub like for having an ice bath for my forearms because they were that bad and there's occasionally i actually get it in nogi more than gi too because i guess like in nogi sometimes you've got to work harder with grips and it's more like you've really only got like a cupping motion and it's like a slippery surface kind of deal um so i get it in nogi occasionally occasionally but i i with you like i just feel like that there's a level and this is sort of what i try and say to motocross races now as a result and this isn't coming from like a someone that's only just started jiu-jitsu and this is like you know like a quick anecdotal thing like this is years like i've put in thousands of hours on the mat at this point and i just think that the riders that get arm pump are just not conditioned in their forearms and it's like which is kind of the, the crazy thing though with it is is that you'll get professional athletes like I know like Ford Dale is like one of the fastest riders to ever come out of Australia and he's like rides all day every day like it's his job you know what I mean and he'll still get 
arm pump. So I think for the average person, it's just a complete lack of conditioning. And I even noticed like I've been doing some shoulder hangs for my shoulders with Olympic rings and like I get arm pump doing that. Um, so because that's like quite an extreme version of like a forearm contraction, you know, like trying to hold your, uh, your whole body weight. But yeah, I think that there's, for the average guy, it's a real lack of conditioning. That's what's giving you arm pump. But for the, the guys at the elite end, I feel like there's got to be some kind of maybe like breathing that they stop breathing properly through the races that like the level of stress that they're encountering. Cause it's fight or flight response. Maybe like there's a flight of cortisol, that's going through the system maybe like dehydration's not exactly on point so it's a it's a definitely a tricky one when it comes to like the elite level guys because there's probably a bunch of different factors that's playing into it because you, you probably couldn't blame it on conditioning yeah it, it depends right like that's the whole thing and that's this is the kind of diverging but that's why we made that supplement company is like i always say we talk to people is like supplements don't necessarily work unless you work with them yeah it's a big reason rise like the stuff we wanted to make like our first one we have is just an electrolyte mix for things exactly like that like what you spoke about when you're in thailand you're super hot and you're dehydrated one of the potential reasons that people get in arm pump or jujitsu concrete arm or whatever could be the dehydration so it's like to factor that out here take this we made this but you know what it could also just be that you're not conditioned. Like the uh, the muscles in your forearm are so intricate. Like it's so got, specific. So in like maybe you're turning on these muscles more than what you, and you're not just aware of it. Yeah. And like you said, you're just not cognitively aware of that, and then you're actually like just fatiguing them. And it's all you. Maybe you just don't have enough glycogen in there. You didn't load up properly. Yeah. And so you're like fatiguing them. But hey, you know what? Let's knock as many of these ducks out. We're gonna make sure you're carbo loaded going into that race so it doesn't happen we're going to make sure that you're very well hydrated here take these make sure you have this much every time you know what we're going to use some cooling systems to make sure you're not overheating as well like under your under your, like your uh, what do you call it like your motocross gear or whatever so like you just need to knock as many as you can because we don't know like it could be yeah. many different things just knock them all out yeah well i will say like anecdotally i just don't think i've experienced any negative effects of creatine when it comes to um the like uh, getting arm pump or anything like that but also like i just don't even know if i'm the kind of person that's in tuned enough to like know if supplements are working that well you know like i definitely i feel good like with the octane like when i take that like while i'm training like i feel good and i feel like that's the same where i know i need to eat like saturday mornings it's the like an 8 a.m class and like sometimes i'll I forget to put an alarm on and I've got to like race out the door. I'll eat like two muesli bars, some lollies and I'll get a Powerade on the way. Cause I just feel like I need sugar to get through that training and then I'll like eat after. But, um, but yeah, I'm like, I mean half the time with this shit, like I don't even really know what's making that much of a difference. Yeah. Well, that's when like the marketing of it all and all that comes into it. But like, like I said, you'll use supplements in a number of different ways. Like, protein powders are great to knock convenience on there like i said getting protein every three hours throughout your day is really important yeah but like i don't think me and you have the time to be yeah. cooking chicken breast and whatever every three hours so having a protein powder is like very handy just like in the car or whatever on the run yeah bang and then like even like with the bca like i'm pretty public that i don't necessarily agree with bcaas i just don't think they're necessary if you've got enough protein in your diet yeah and if you're taking like a protein powder you're just the way i say it is like if you're jumping into a pool you grab a bucket of water and then 
put it over your head with the intention of getting wetter. Yeah, like yeah. you've already got enough there. You don't need any more. But you know what they are doing for you is they're encouraging you to drink more fluid during yeah. your session when yeah. you are when you are sweating. So by all means, like if you came to me and we we're in a consult and I heard that, I wouldn't be like, hey man, you can't take BCAAs. They're bad. I'd be like, yeah, go for it because that's what you're doing to get more fluid in. So yeah, go nuts with it. But like, there's a couple other subs that I do like. I think beta alanine is one that we recommend to a, a lot of our um, and clients. And what's that, dude? So beta alanine is something... Can you Google that, Rance? So beta alanine is that thing that's in all the pre-workouts. Beta alanine, so B-E-T-A uh, space A-L. Yeah, just down there. So this is the thing that makes you feel tingly when you take the pre-workouts. Uh, so I like taking... I always thought it was crack. Well, <laughs> well remember, what was it that Jack 3D actually yeah, had? Like bro. crack, I don't remember that. Dude, so fucking so fun. Have you ever heard of that shit, Rones? Jack nah, 3D? Yeah, you'd be too yeah. young. There was, this, there was this fucking... Well, I, so I lived in America for like uh, eight oh, years. So you had the OG stuff. I had the good shit, you had the OG stuff. shout out to Jay Reinenberg. He'll fucking know this story in Ash Simpson. We would... We would be like addicted to that shit bro like we fucking we got it and then it changed and then we noticed we're like this isn't as good as it used to be so then we like googled it and they like the fda like kept making them change it because it was just full of fucking crack for sure so then we started like ordering this shit off the internet we like went underground to get this fucking free workout dude we called it the room of doom because there was just three of us living in america we had no fucking friends and we had this we had this massive gym set up in the garage we turned like all the lights off it was like a fucking full-on pain cave it was like a hundred degree california (laughs) summers the fucking walls would be wet and it was fueled by jack 3d (laughs) the real shit i'm pretty sure we used to take it before we went out Oh, <laughs> it should be buzzing from it. it was, yeah, it was straight crack. What was in that shit? It was it was like a, I think not dexamethasone. That's what comes to mind, but it wasn't like amphetamine. amphetamine. Like it was a it was a legit Knew amphetamine. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they came out with it. It was like that, and I think remember mesomorph or mesomorph. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure that one had some funky stuff because that was another one you'd have and you'd be like, oh. but Fuck. yeah, legit amphetamines. That I, 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 we would say like this has fucking meth in it for sure. Yeah, like, yeah. This is straight up fucking crack. Crazy stuff, but um. <laughs> Yeah, beta alanine. <laughs> Not that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This doesn't have any crack in it. But what it is, is it's the stuff that gives you a tingle. So, like, when most people take pre-workout, they, they always say, like, oh, I like that tingling tingle feeling. But I just I just don't like all the other crap that's in pre-workout. It's not necessary. Like, you're getting way too much caffeine, probably. It's like... That's what I don't like. Yeah. Too much caffeine. Yeah, I'm not... Weird. Like, especially if you're drinking coffee throughout the day, like, yeah. yeah, avoid that stuff. And just get the beta alanine. This is good because it's what we call, like, a, a hydrogen ion buffer which essentially like everyone says, okay, when you get lactic acid build up, that's when you fatigue. That is true, but when lactic acid builds up, it's actually the hydrogen ion that the lactic acid breaks off and that goes into your muscles. And when that builds up, we get fatigued. We get that feeling, that like burnt out feeling. Yeah. What beta alanine does is help buffer that through. So it delays that fatigued feeling. So yeah, I really like giving guys beta alanine. We just get them to take it twice a day. So you usually go between like, depending on their tolerance like two to four grams twice a day it's boom bang it. i get a lot of guys like put it in say if they're having a coffee in the morning like that's their one or two coffees just bang it in that or before training put it in whatever shake you have and put it in that yeah and we get yeah it, it it's massive in the crossfit world and for like good reason because those guys are like just, just constantly burning, yeah. going and yeah yeah it's really big there but i i really like using it with the fighters i think for motocross that'd be huge too yeah. like there's a big level of like lactic that builds sure. up yeah. not not only your arms like 
your legs and lower back and core like everything is essentially like i tell people that don't ride motocross is like okay so you ride down the road as fast as you can on a rough track and you hold the bike as fast as it'll go and then just let go like just take all your arms and legs off and just see what happens to that motorcycle Jesus. like that it is not like you can imagine like if you're on a rough dirt road and you just let go like the bike's just gonna fucking go crazy and you're gonna fucking die so i was like what you're doing when you're racing motocross is you're avoiding that bike from doing that so like there's all these forces like the bike wants to go in all these different directions at all times and that your body has to be like this gyro that stabilizes this machine that essentially does like there's no balance point like that thing's constantly being moved around like that so literally everything is on head to toe like your fucking your eyebrows feel tired after you've done a big day run you know yeah i always think that with motocross because like yeah, I guess like the last 18 months I've been like obsessed with sweat. Like obviously it's like, oh, that's like a big part of my job is getting the guys a sweat when we're cutting weight. But like, and that's why we made like the electrolyte drink because it was such a big problem. But I always think with like, with all like the suit you guys oh, have dude. on, like man, like you guys must lose so much sweat. And then like what that has like for your cognitive abilities, yeah. like just to stay concentrated. It's like fighting, yeah, it's crazy. Like there's someone punching you, but like far out, like a fucking, how fast are those one they go like and then you're flying and then you come off that just because like you're mentally not switched on well that's the one thing so a few weeks ago so like the professional standard so like a five round championship fight right so our standard of that is 30 minutes plus two laps i've never done it in my life wow so the other week i went out and i was like i'm gonna do a 30 minute moto and by the end of it like physically i wasn't tired but like mentally dude i was fucking done like i was so over it like just concentration wise that I just didn't really have much more to give. And then I went out and tried to do it again. Cause that's what the professionals do, dude. They do two 30 minute motos plus two laps in one day. They got an hour break between it's fucking psycho. But I went out, did, I made it to like 21 minutes the next, next time around. Like mentally, I just wasn't there. And physically I didn't feel that bad. Is it a thing? Like, do they load up? Is there like a, is there nutrition protocols facts? I could imagine like, that's a huge toll on your system. Like, and like we're talking about, like your central nervous is like autonomic. Like that's just frying that sympathetic system, eh? Cause you just be on like, like full fight mode, just going. That, and that's what I mean about the, the arm pump that guys get. Like, even though they're so conditioned that there's obviously like, it's stressful. Like it's a really stressful environment. Like the, these guys at the top level, 180 BPM for 30 minutes and they just maintain it the whole time. And like some of like the, last lap battles man like after 30 minutes and these guys are having these last lap like just all out fucking war to try and get to the finish line first like smash each other tracks fucking brutal like or try find what what would be like was that jeremy martin jet lawrence like that's what i'm thinking can you see if you can the one from millville last year with brandis and martin yeah yeah yeah, try find something where you can see. Like, I'd I'd love to show you. Because I only know a few motocross guys, and they're all they're all cooked, eh? Like, they're all just there's something they've got screws loose. Like everyone's like, oh, fighters are a bit out there. I'm like, I don't know. Some like these like extreme games guys are just they're a bit fucking out there. I reckon. Oh yeah, these the man, this guy Jeremy Martin, like number six here, psychopath. Like I've been just we'll have to play it, but just turn the music down and don't. This, if, I'm, if I'm reading this right, he did a 205 as fast as 
So yeah, this is this is the last lap. So they've been going for thirty minutes. You probably put Fuck. this on the screen in the lower third rounds if you want. Probably won't get pulled off. Where is Martin? How's that on your joints? Right, so, oh, dude, yeah, it's fucking not good. So this guy in second, it's this is at tracks at his house. They have a national there, so they've got they got like about half the track to go now, and they've been doing this for thirty minutes. Jesus and this Christ. is the second moto, so this is they're now into an hour of full on racing. And like that hill there, like I've been there, you can't even walk up that hill. Jesus Christ! How fast would they be going? They'd be probably doing like 70, right? Or Jesus. down that hill, maybe like 70. So yeah, these this is no, like an hour in. And, it, and it'd be 100 degrees. Like, like uh, 40 degrees Celsius. God, Martin's fucking sending it, dude. Are you not just like completely spent? Oh though? yeah, they would be fucking exhausted, man. Like man, imagine if you came off that. Oh yeah, like you, like, you'd be fucked. Yeah, that, uh, three weeks ago I went over the bars, just as like going as fast as I could and landed just directly on my back and my shoulders. Yeah, so that's Fuck. that's the level that these dudes are on, man. Like, and I mean, there's there's some guys that have got like trainers and stuff like that, but yeah, the supplement thing is just I don't I don't think that there's the protocols in the way in this sport that that like ufc guys would have because they, they don't have to cut weight or make weight you know what i mean yeah that's even better it's performance right like those things would be massive like that's all we put guys on really is like creatine beta alanine electrolytes and then like a protein powder if they need it for convenience type thing because yeah. they're like what i deem as like the performance supplements yeah okay it's like man like that's that's a performance sport that yeah. you should be doing especially with all those factors you were talking about like if you're like okay i want to hit as many of those ducks like you're sweating, dehydrated, take the electrolytes, like make sure you've got the beta alanine to help out buffer the lactic acid and then the creatine for like the explosiveness. Like why wouldn't you take it if you're doing that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll add in those uh, those supplements. What, what do you think about like magnesium and stuff before bed? Yeah, I, I think it's cool. Like um, to be honest, I'm not super read up on it, but um, I think for some people, at least in my practice, it helps immensely, even for like muscle cramping. Yeah. Some people will take magnesium and that'll just be whatever like it, it's the same with like cbd right like for some people it's going to work really well for others it's not but i think it comes back a lot to that what do I, what do i expect this to do to me and is it going to work type thing yeah so like if people are taking magnesium before bed does it like kick in all these like parasympathetic things and actually yeah. physically bring on like more melatonin to be re like released and you to fall into that sleep and whatever who knows does it make you fall asleep yeah we'll take it yeah you know what i mean like meet your expectation of it yeah i'm that's just so agnostic i'm like an atheist when it comes <laughs> to supplements you know like, i'm just like I'm, i don't have any attachments to them like working or not you know like i'm actually more on the side of being skeptical about it than not and that but that again that probably comes from my upbringing like my dad's that guy like he never would take any fucking supplement ever because like, oh, you don't need that shit you just gotta eat food like and it's true like he's not wrong and like a lot of my top level athletes like they're really the only ones they'll take like because you don't need them and like i used to work at a supplement company years and years ago when i when i graduated and i went to canada and traveled around there i just needed cash i just got this job at a supplement company and i was blown away by how much like people would come in and they'd be like what does this do what does this do and i'd yeah. be like fuck i've never heard of 95 percent of this and i just did five years of university i got two degrees like and i'd just be grabbing the package and being like 
fuck, do I sell this to this person? Like, I'm kind of on commission here. Like, I need to make yeah, money, yeah. but like, and I just have to shut this guy up for a while because like, it's more important to eat right now than it is to fucking, you know, sell them good stuff. But yeah, it's just crazy because it, but it all comes back to that. People want shortcuts. Mm. Like, because they can get in their diet. They get a good diet. They sleep well. They manage their training. They manage their recovery. You know, you balance your autonomic nervous system so you're not always in that fight mode. You probably get away for a very long time without supplements. But people want the shortcut. They don't want to put in the time to do all those things. Yeah, 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 that makes sense. The, um, another thing that I've kind of noticed as well, because, like, I've only got one kidney, so but it's, like, double the size, basically. So, like, I... I I just got my bloods done the other day and like I I'd still have normal kidney function. But yeah, hydration to me just is like a fucking bane of my existence. Like, And I think part of it is because I've got to sit down and do podcasts for three hours and then it's like I'm just not in a place where like I just regularly want to be pissing that much because it's like super fucking inconvenient. But like, man, I'll notice I can eat ramen for dinner at night and wake up with like a crazy headache and fully dehydrated because I've eaten too much salt and there's even times where I felt like with magnesium like I've had more magnesium than normal because I don't really measure I'll just use like a teaspoon and put it in and I'm like I'm like fuck I feel like that's kind of cooked me a little bit too so I definitely feel like the salt intake versus water intake is something like at least for me personally like I've got to be so onto that oh everyone's got to be this is so this first product that we release, all it is, it's, it's called like hydration. And that's all we do because that's the biggest issue I found across the board is that everyone was confused about hydration. didn't matter if you were a UFC world champ or just a guy walking into the gym. Everyone's confused about it because it's so intricate in your body. The salt water balance in your body is so intricate. And a lot of people don't know this. They think when I drink water, that's hydrating me. But to an extent, but out of all the beverages you can have, water is probably the least hydrating. Like if you just chug a bunch of water, you'll piss a bunch of water out Yeah. because the way that our body dictates how to retain and release water is by the electrolytes that are in there and the sodium balance of it. And then there's three different ways that you can put it in, three different formulations, and it determines what that fluid does in the body. So three different concentrations of salt and carbohydrates that you can make up, and each one of those will dictate a different response to what happens to that fluid which is good. We're going to get deep here, but we may as well. So when you get say like a Powerade, it's isotonic. You, you've heard that term like isotonic yep. hydration. So that's basically matching the, the sodium concentration of your sweat. And so what it does, it just oh, goes, so you're sweated out. You put that in. doesn't kind really of. work like that. But when you get in what, there's a few things like you need to get right. You've got to drink it. It's got to go from your mouth down your esophagus into your stomach where we absorb most of that is going to be in your small intestine, which is just outside your stomach. So we've got to get it through the stomach. That's the big first hurdle. And so the more carbohydrate a drink has, the slower it'll come out. And so carbs are sugar, essentially. Yeah, carbs are sugar, essentially. So when you've got a like a Powerade... Say it's, it's full of sugar. Yeah, so it's going to be slower to get through there. And then when you've got like a Maximus or something, which is even more sugar, it's going to be even more slower. The thing is with those drinks is that they're not necessarily geared towards hydration. They're geared towards getting the sugar back in for like if you're playing an AFL game or motocross or whatever, you're burning lots of carbohydrates. Getting those carbohydrates in are important, but they're going to be slower to get that fluid through. Yeah. And so like the drink that we made is what's called a hypotonic drink. And what, what you do is you bring the carbohydrates down a lot. And so it rushes through the stomach really fast. 
and then the mixture of sodium, potassium, magnesium, chloride, and all of that, what it does is that it goes into, across from your intestine into your blood really quickly. And then from your blood, it takes it to all your cells. And it's just the ratio that that's in, it'll skip over into your cells really fast. So it's like a rapid hydration formula. But the goal for that supplement is not to replace the carbohydrates. Yeah. So like when we have endurance athletes or things that we work with, we say we rapidly want to rehydrate you. Like after weigh-ins, perfect example, guys are just dehydrated. We need to rapidly get that fluid back in. Yeah. Drink a drink like this. And later on, you can have like a Gatorade or a Maximus that has way more carbohydrates because the priority shifts to getting those carbohydrates in. Yeah. It doesn't matter if we get the fluid in slower. But that's like why we say for athletes, like if you're competing at a jujitsu comp and you're like sweating heaps and blah, 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 the priority is to match that fluid loss. Yeah. And if you're having like Gatorades and things like that, you're slowing that process down. Yeah. So it's right. like, like we give people this supplement and they're just like, oh, it's just electrolytes. That's it. And I'm like, oh man, I was like, you don't understand how many, like I've got a fluid balance expert, Dr. Lewis James in, um, Loughborough University helped me formulate this and then all these other guys that I'm connected to and they're like very big names in the sports nutrition world and everyone's like oh it's just like these are like electrolytes right and you're like it is essentially but man you have no idea what we went through to get this like mixture of this thing right to make sure that it passes through and gets into the blood as fast as possible and like when I made it it was for weigh-ins like yeah. after weigh-ins because with our guys we were just like, man, we've got to be certain that what we're putting in, they're not pissing out that fluid because we just lost five kilos of water essentially in a bathtub. We need to put that in and then some. Yeah. We've got to put like six, seven back in, but you've got to fight in 24 hours and then we've got to eat and you've got to get a training session in. Yeah. So we don't have the time to mess around and, and kind of guess, oh, is this going back in? We need to make sure that this like works. Yeah. And that's what I found. And then what's cool about it is that we use it with all our guys is that we say if you wake up in the morning, you're probably going to be dehydrated because you didn't eat, like eat or drink in that overnight fast. And yeah. that's like a lot of people like, oh, I feel crappy and sluggish and tired. It's like... Yeah, I get like headaches in the morning. Like there's there's times where I wake up, but I'm like, I think dehydrated. Yeah, like, and you're probably like dehydrated. A... So that's what we say is like, have this because a lot of people just chug water and it'll help. Like the water will help, but you'll end up peeing a lot of it out because there's not the salts in there. Yeah. So like have one of these in the morning and then you know that you're going to rapidly put all that fluid everywhere. And then just go about your day. And then like the other big issue that we found with our guys who train multiple times a day, they'll go into that first session. They're probably all over everything that first session. But then they'll walk off the mats and then they'll just grab like a Coke Zero. Yeah. And then they'll go grab their food and then they won't think about it. And then they'll go to their next session and they wouldn't have pl- replaced any of the fluid. Yeah. So they're going into that next session dehydrated training for two three hours getting more dehydrated and yeah then, i won't go to training if i know i haven't drunk enough water yeah because i'm just like this will fuck me like and i'll end up i'll i feel like i'm always like right now i feel dehydrated like i don't i know that i haven't because i feel like hydration is like a it's a process of days like it's not something that i feel i feel like you'd have to be in like a surplus to like let yourself go down a little bit but i feel like i operate on like the edge of hydration at all times and like if i dip down at all i'm de- i'm now dehydrated like i don't really have like reserves of water if that makes sense and yeah i literally like i'd love going doing saunas and i can't do a sauna today i'm like i could maybe do a sauna in like a couple of days mm. because that's how long it's going to take me to feel 
really good and full of water so i don't know if that makes sense no absolutely and it's the it's the biggest bit of feedback i get from my clients is like the first thing we make them do is drink a certain amount of fluid every day and then like if if they're like very salty sweaters we make sure they put the electrolytes and everything back in and they're like oh man like i've just got so much energy i just like i feel so much better like oh like i'm focusing so much more at work like oh this diet's great it's like it's not it's just the, the water it's not the diet like you're just drinking more because you're not chronically dehydrated 24 7 which I think, again, people push all of that to the side and go for these random weird supplements on the shelves being like, this is going to, or like weird nootropics or whatever. This is going to give me the edge, blah, blah, blah. Let's pack it in the bag and let's go. It's like, nah, like these very simple things like staying on top of your water intake when your body is 70% water and every single metabolic reaction in your body is happening in a body of water, that's probably pretty important to stay on top of. No wonder you feel so shit when you're not, you know, when you're chugging back your cumin latte tablets or whatever and then your nootropics and everything else but you're ignoring just basic water yeah no and i feel like i sit square in that category um so when you were talking about having carbohydrates in your stomach while you're trying to hydrate and that's going to slow the process down is that in the food uh in the water that you're taking or the fluid you're taking on in general so like let's say you've had a muesli bar that would be carbohydrates in your stomach and then you have your electrolyte drink and then you drink it on top of that are the carbohydrates from the muesli bar going to slow down the absorbed absorption of electrolytes or is it in the container that it's kind of you're ingesting it in that's such a good question i feel like i had this question on like my third year sports nutrition <laughs> exam that's actually a really good question um yes firstly the solution matters so the solution that you're putting that fluid in it's what we call the osmolarity and what that essentially means is the concentration of stuff in that body of fluid yeah so the osmolarity of our drink the way we call it hypertonic is because it's it's got no real carbohydrates yeah and it's it's less concentrated than what your blood is and because there's going to be a gradient difference it's like your whole body works on gradient differences and concentration gradients it's going to want to flip your body's going to move fluid into the more concentrated area to dilute it to balance it out yeah and so that's gonna what's gonna dictate that is like how much salt and magnesium potassium and everything and how much carbohydrate we have in there so we keep that low so it's less concentrated goes through faster the way that your stomach is shaped is that when you drink fluid fluid kind of comes down here and when you eat food it comes up here Uh, so like yeah so what what i say to people say we've got like uh, marathon runners or whatever we say like drink your electrolytes and eat your carbs yeah. because your carbs will still get be getting digested and they'll pass through and that gastric emptying process will be slower. But then we know that you're getting that fluid passing through into your small intestine. Whereas opposed to if someone drank, say, the electrolyte drink and then smashed a Gatorade or a Maximus, that's going to mix. It's going to sit in the and bottom, it, yeah. And it's going to change the osmolarity or the concentration of that fluid and it's going to change the dynamics of what happens in the body yeah yeah so you, you get pretty deep with it but that's like when people are like oh it's just electrolytes like, yeah but that makes kind sense of, kind of me, is, yeah. yeah yeah so that's essentially what you're doing and that's like the the tricky part and that's like it's called an oral rehydration solution and like we talk about like right at the start of like the privilege of being in like our yeah, world yeah, like yeah. you talk like oral rehydration that technology figuring that out saves millions of lives of people who don't have access to like clean drinking water because they would otherwise die of dehydration and like so understanding how to get that and and allow the body to retain that fluid without pissing it out literally saves millions of lives that's insane eh? so what would be like the ideal protocol 
for the average person to stay hydrated or like say me that does like a training session each day um you would have an idea of what that session would look like so what would a good hydration protocol be yeah again it's hard to give i'll give you numbers and you can apply it so 30 mils times your body weight in kilos that's so would that be 0.03 so no 30 so do you'll do it in mils so 30 mils times say 75 kilograms some quick mass is going to be 2.1 2.2 yeah Yeah, something like that 2.2 liters that's your baseline that your body will probably need yeah and that's just before exercise before Before exercise so when and then we say to our guys when you go to your session weigh yourself before this would be really good for your motocross guys to do weigh yourself before it jump off after and weigh and see how much you lost like take into account what you drank and pissed out and like get good estimates but figure out how much you lost and that's a crazy number like i'll run 30 40 k's and i'll lose i'll go i'll start like the training session i'll load up the day before i'll be like 73 kilos and i'll finish that at like 67 68 and that's plus i'm drinking on the way so you lose a lot of fluid doing those like it's same with motocross jujitsu oh yeah dude my, crazy my gear bag weighs like fucking probably a couple kilos more yeah because of all the sweat that's in my gear and then you chuck your gear in like you can feel it when you throw your gear in the in the thing crazy amount of fluid loss and then so what you've got to do again you've got to put that back in but your body's going to keep metabolizing you're going to keep perspiring fluid out you're going to keep sweating it so out it's something you've always got to stay ahead of. yeah and yeah. but you've got to put in 1.2 to 1.5 more than what you lost. So say you lost one kilo, you got to put oh one liter. You got to put in one point two to one point five mm. back in, and then you get like another layer and think and like we do sodium sweat tests with our guys, like to see how much how salt, much salt is in the like sweat. because people can be crazy salt sweaters and people are just not. And then you work that out and go, okay, you need to replace this much sodium. And you could, you don't have to do that with electrolyte supplements or anything. You can do that. We we say salt your foods, do all that yeah. first, and then if we need to make up lost ground, use this. Yeah. But like, do it in your food. It's cheaper. It's easier. It's blah blah blah. But yeah, that's the process we do, and do that for every training session. And it's it's a crazy amount. And that's when you work it out and you look at it, you go, that's so much fluid. And then you think about it and you go, well, it's not because that's the amount your body needs. That's what you've lost. This is what you got to put back in. That's basically your baseline values. Yeah, yeah, no wonder yeah. you feel so shit and dehydrated all the time is because you're probably drinking a fourth or a third of that. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that'd that be my thing, like, and we're pretty much uh, pretty much done three hours. But um, to go back to Jacko, like, he's always talking to me about my food. And it's, it's probably, in my mind, not my food. It's my water. Like, I, if I just, I have to get better at the the whole water thing. Because, yeah, I feel like that's the thing that makes me feel the most shit. Yeah, I feel like that's most people, though. Like, that that was... We don't want to do many supplements, but that was one thing I was adamant with my business partner. They wanted to do other things. I was like, can we just do this? And even if it, we do it with an electrolyte... I even said to him, I was like, I just want you to, like, make a brand that's cool enough that encourages people to drink more water. Mm. I was like, I don't care whatever you guys else do with the business or whatever, just make hydration cool like make it so it's like a it's like a popular thing it's like a cool thing these guys are doing it who cares if you sell that product just make it cool to be more hydrated and they're like oh yeah we'll, we'll work it out yeah no it makes sense well mate i've thoroughly enjoyed it worth the wait i'm glad i'm glad uh we finally done it and i'll have you on whenever because there's some great just for myself as a guy that tries to get better at life i feel like nutrition is a huge building block for that so to have your expertise and the the way that you get no bullshit approach to it's been really cool and i think a lot of people will take a lot out of this podcast 
I'm going to try and implement some of the uh, the changes that we've spoke about. And uh, yeah, appreciate it, man. So any anytime you want to come back on, we didn't even really get into your backstory that much, but there's some cool stuff there. So maybe in a few months we'll we'll have to do it again. Yeah, run it back. Maybe we can do some more live reacts. That's cool. Just get some before yeah, and after. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool to see um, to get your thoughts on that because yeah, I mean, like I said, it that whole his process has like inspired me and like I don't have weight to lose, but I've got to get better you know what i mean like i'm not the best version of me right now so to see a dude that is like action bronson to that's done what he's done and then to sort of know some of the science behind it's pretty cool yeah for sure yeah that was awesome man thanks for having us on appreciate it bro thanks mate yeah that was awesome cheers bro that was real good eh?